I will. All right. 536 here on Sports Radio 1310, the ticket. Welcome, everybody, to White Elephant Day as Sean Bass kicks it off. This is the day, if you uh, have not heard, if you just got back from a grand vacation, an extended Thanksgiving vacation, where we jumble the lineup up the entire day. Names were drawn out of a hat. Positions were placed, and this is what you have for the morning show. My name is Corby Davidson, joined alongside of me by Norm Hitzkus. By the way, for the first two and a half hours of the show, Corby will talk with his eyes closed. Yeah, I will. I will. Because Corby's eyes never open before (laughs) 8 in the morning. (laughs) They don't. (laughs) Even with kids, you know, I just somehow can float past through the uh, 8 o'clock hour. Also joining us, Sean Bass, who just did the 35-minute ticker. Hi. Well done. Thank you. Bob Sturm, in there doing tickers now for the next hour and change, so enjoy that. I don't know where he went, to eat or something. He had a potty. Killer, producing. He's How did that happen? Either. What? Who's out? Mikey's in Mexico. Yeah. Fernandez? No. Saroy. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What's he doing there? Drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Simply. Yes. I got an email. Is he there with Liz? Yeah. Okay. I got an email from the other day, and um, I think Mike's having a good time. Good. I think he's having a great time. Where is he? Um, A jail in uh, just outside of a place called Catamungo. Are they in, like, Playa del Carmen? I think so. Yeah, Cozumel. Cosmo, Co- yeah. Cosmo, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. The only remaining uh, linchpin of the morning show will be Jeremy Moran, who is trolling the waters right now. Mm-hmm. Why do they keep the board ops? Why don't they switch those guys up? Because the are there too many elements or something? Yeah, or? there's too many things. I think they're the most important people at this station. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't disagree. Lowest paid now. Yeah, we don't ever give them any money, but the most important people. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So my my whole take. You did mornings for how long? Oh, oh, sixteen years. Oh my god! Because I feel like that I've aged about seven years in the last hour and a half since I've been up. Oh, and look like at it just. I was just telling Bob. There's there's no way all the musers won't die early. Just getting yeah. up every day doing this. What day does after that mean day. for me? No, you're good. Oh, you're you're out of the game, man. <laughs> you're out of the game. You're you're fine. Yeah, you're ten to noon. You have the best gig ever. You've and, years to and your life. yeah, you have as many years as you lost those sixteen years, mm-hmm. which is probably like that would have meant that uh, your life would have been cut short probably by sixteen years. Let's say you lived to ninety. You're dead at seventy six or what is that? Seventy four. Yeah. But don't do it. So you're giving Norm nine more years. No, I'm not. No, no. Now that he's done 10 to noon for all these years, that adds another year on. So now that you've been doing that for how long? 11 years? years? Yeah, 12 years. Okay, so you're almost back to living to 90. But how many years did I lose doing Mavericks and Ranger games at night and then getting up to do the show the next morning? Oh, yeah. You'll probably die before this show's over with. It's 539. We'll give you continuous updates in the morning. I didn't take that into account in my math last night as I was breaking it down. But, man, I, I don't understand. And I, I I guess after you get used to it and you can answer this, I, like I go to bed. I went, I went to bed. I, I woke up intentionally early yesterday to prepare myself for this day today to go to bed early last night so I could get six hours of sleep or whatever. So I go to bed around 10 o'clock, had no problem falling asleep, but then I woke up to go to the bathroom like at 2, and then I'm like, well, I'm up. 
I'm up. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't go back to bed. Do you, I mean, does that ever go away? And then I'm oh. worried about the alarm clock, and yeah. I'm constantly looking at the clock. Oh, I'm going to oversleep? Yeah. Constant fear when you do You wake mornings. up every hour, it seems okay. like. Yes. I woke up every hour last night in a panic that I'd, it, I I knew it would be 6 a.m. Yeah. The minute I woke up. One of the keys for doing this show, if you're to start doing it regularly, set two or three alarms. Mm-hmm. Really? Set them about three, four minutes apart. In different places around your room. No, so you just, actually have to get out of bed. So you're like pranking yourself? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it Damn wakes it. up again. And then you finally say, well, I'm up. I'm, I'm up for good. I'm up for good. It's tough. How's Bob doing in there? He's, He's doing tickers. He's in full panic mode right Dude, now. Dude, I'm in full panic. Why? Why? Like, I, I don't know where any of these cuts are. I don't know what, what wait, I'm doing. Wait, wait, wait. Don't use cuts? any cuts. No, no, what yeah. cuts? I want to use some cuts. Wait a minute. That's have less you, me. Have you seen Jer and Groob's panic over the Enco? Yeah. Then don't use it. What are we going to use? I don't have a great answer for that. Let's see. Come on, man. Hold on. Where's that? Do you have any cuts? Did anybody download cuts like from the Marquette game last night? I'm going to use this one in my first mm. sticker. Just a little Kyrie speed. Irving, a six foot three inch, one hundred ninety pound point guard out of Duke. <laughs> oh wow! There we go. That's all I could find is NBA draft previews from what two years ago. Wait, wait. So that's what I'm. You need me to run in there and help you real quick? I Do can. you have the fake one? Why? Well, What's the, the difference? Fake, the it's Kyrie fake, Irving. Boris no, no. Zuzek? Yeah, Boris Zuzek. Do you have <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the fake profile well, of me? I've got four. Then we got Jake on. I got four of these tickers, and you're going to be hearing a lot of NBA draft previews. <laughs> One of the best pranks ever, Corby. How how old? I mean, how tall was Boris Zuzek? Seven foot. Seven ten. Seven nine. <laughs> seven ten. Weighed two hundred and five pounds or something. And he like could bend that. over and touch the floor, and also reach up and touch the net because his arm span <laughs> was so long. And as the draft goes on, the the key to this prank was just the background people. It's the NBA draft, and we have lots of people record yeah. small profiles. We'll have four or five. Well, we gave Jake Kemp some regular ones to do, and a fake profile of this 7-foot-10-inch, 202-pound Russian center, Boris Zuzak. We gave him fake stats, fake personal information, and, and, and the fact that he really liked Dallas. He was hoping to come to Dallas and be with the Mavericks. And as the draft goes on... Poor Jake can't figure out why no one's taking Boris Zuzak. Have you got it? Have you got it? Okay. Here's the profile, Corby. Boris Zuzak, a seven foot nine, two hundred and two pound center out of Russia. Zuzak, known as Sputnik Two in his home country, is an eighteen year old physical specimen who makes up for his lack of girth with one of the most impressive wingspans on earth. Once he suits up, Zuzak will become the tallest player in NBA history. His eight foot one inch wingspan is nearly enough for him to be able to touch the ground with one hand while simultaneously touching the net with the other. Zuzek averaged 14 points, 17 rebounds, and a league record eight blocks per game last season in the Russian Gagarin League. What is that? His visa prevented Zuzek's participation in the NBA Combine, so he's considered the biggest high upside question mark in the draft. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't there another one, a guy that was, like, obsessed with fire or something like that? Like, Yes, we had another one. An arsonist or something that got popped... Yes, what was that one? I can't remember that one. That one was equally yeah. as funny. That's a good gag. It was a good gag. <laughs> it was well done, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, well And you know done. what? i got to be honest with you. You know, Jake was the one who, who read that, but that really could have been anybody. Oh, yeah. 
Because you you do have if this isn't twenty years ago where there was no foreign guys now with all half the first round as you can attest to are names that you can barely pronounce or never heard of yeah and the second round is all drafted stashers toward the end yeah so loads of those guys are out there yeah so it's it's easily done matter of fact if we ever have another ticket ticker transplant guy from wherever mm-hmm. that needs to be a, there needs to be a follow up on that. Because it's very easy. And poor Jake. Like, Jake knows anything about the NBA draft. What was the other one Saroy did? It was about a an, a guy that was an, an arsonist. It was an arsonist. He'd been in jail. He'd been in jail. Because he burned down his arena in high school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Boris Zuzak. Nicknamed Sputnik 2. Average... <laughs> 14, 17, and 8 in the Gagarin League. Gagarin. What's what's Gagarin? There was some significance behind that, too. Was that an astronaut? I don't remember. Yuri Gagarin? Wasn't that an... I mean, I'm just fishing that out. That's the brilliance of your Your producer. Just told me it's the first Russian cosmonaut. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was that the guy found later to be living... In almost desperate poverty in a cold water flat in yeah, Russia, that they living didn't in take squalor. Living in squalor, yeah. So is Saroy the first producer you've had? You have to really be leery of as far as no, no, being pranked. No, no. Frito was in on stuff like this. Too. Yeah, yeah. Frito would do stuff like this. Frito was. I don't think like, Frito had the sense of humor Mikey did. Well, Saroy's looking for or stuff does. like this more than Frito. Yeah, yeah. Because Saroy grew up, not grew up, but he's he's a listener first, you know, and. Frito got in on this pretty early. Matter of fact, I remember I was with Frito. This is in like 98 or something like that. When did you come over here? This was Fat Frito, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. We, it was when the Cowboys played Minnesota, and Frito and I were on in the in the playoffs, I think. Mm-hmm. And Frito and I were on uh, covering the game back when we had to, or I had to, had to, when I used to cover games, mm-hmm. which... I enjoyed doing very much, by the way. I thought that was a great little gig. But anyway, so Frito, I remember the news broke that you were coming over here, and Frito was thinking that he was going to get fired or something like that, mm-hmm. and then he realized he was working with you, and and so we had dinner and discussed the life and times of Norm Hitzkus. I didn't know you back then. No. I didn't know you from Adam, and I didn't know what the hell. I thought I was getting fired. <laughs> I did. 98, 99, I didn't have a gig. I was like, oh, my God, so... Norm's coming over, and what the hell does that mean for me? And those are heady times. Well, when this, I was not, let's just say I wasn't going to the roof happy screaming about the move. Yeah. I loved my mornings at KLIF, our sister station. And in our <clears throat> discussions of, I, I simply brought up very, very nicely in the discussion, what happens if I don't want to do this? And simply wish to work someplace else. Yeah. And Dan Bennett, my good friend of now almost 30 years, said, well, then we have a problem. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, well, I'm not coming downstairs without Frito. (laughs) And that's how the transition was made. Hey, man, pranks. He he set up one of the great ones to trap my poor intern, Grego Fernando, you and that ISDN line thing? That was That's Saroy. Saroy who did it, but I... Oh, yeah, yeah, but you got him, so... Yeah, I 
I dropped the hammer on the guy. I mean, if there's a knife to be turned, Corby did it. Poor Grego Fernando is sent in search of an ISDN line. There is no such thing. He's at Penn State, right? Right, it's Penn State. Now working in New York, by the way, and doing things with the New York Rangers hockey team on the web. Oh. And, and Is he really? He's a, well, how old is he? Like a junior? 20, no, he's, he's out of Penn State. Now he's 22. Oh, he's done? 23, yeah. Sucks. And anyway, this elaborate prank was set up of Grego Fernando going from person to person at the station. you got to find this ISDN line. Yeah. It's missing. And the, the last one he gets to is Corby. And Corby lets him have it. Yeah, that was one of the funnier slash tense moments. Because anytime you do a prank like that, I mean, I was setting it up in a in one of the production rooms. And when you're doing interviews like that, like goofy interviews or pranks or whatever, everyone's like, man, how do you not just start dying laughing? You turn your mic you off. You turn your mic off because you are dying laughing. Here I am reaming this kid out. And I mean like dropping F-bombs for something that doesn't even exist. The left-handed headphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would have to know, Grego. For and, I, and I'm, I'm assuring this kid that if this doesn't turn up or if I found out that somehow he stole it, that he will never effing work in this town again. Like, I am, dem I am telling him that. I will make sure of that. Me! Yeah, that was good. That was funny. And you'd have to know, Grego Fernando, he is a wide-eyed pleaser person. He, he, you could ask him to do anything, and he'd go to it. And boy, did Saroy get him. Yeah. Saroy's good. You got a good one in Saroy. Yep. I'll tell you that right now. All right, it's 5.50 here on the ticket. Um, I don't remember vamp. what... Vamp. You did a vamp. Oh, no, Bob. No, I'm just kidding. I don't remember what we said we were doing next, Killer, since you're running the show. Do you have any idea? Bob's doing something. No, not yet. <laughs> I have nothing planned yet. Bob's doing something. We don't have anything planned? Nope. We'll come fill it in during the break. Even better. Even better. <laughs> well, we'll figure out that next, and also we got Bob's ticker coming up. The Unticket. Does he get no billing at all? Who? Bass. Okay. I think they... He's <clears throat> in here with us. He, they, they screwed the lineups up in the... Uh, in the promos. I'm going to screw them. Yeah. The ticket? Yeah, you believe that? <laughs> Weird. It is 5.56 on Sports Radio 1310. The ticket. This is White Elephant Day. Good morning. If you're just waking up and you're hearing my stupid voice, yeah, I'm in here. Corby Davidson, Norm Hitzkiss, Sean Bass, Bob Sturm, Killer, Jer, we're all in here. Uh, coming up at 10 o'clock will be Gordon Keith hosting by himself. And then oh. I believe Mike Reiner and George Dunham and Donovan. Mm -hmm. And then at 3 o'clock mm -hmm. you will find... Craig, Dan, Ty, and Rich. So the afternoon ratings, which my life is based on, will take a hit. As Ty and Rich get to go in there. And Do these get subtracted from our bonus no. arrangements or things like that? Do you get the what's point? a bonus? Yeah, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> what's a bonus, Oops. Grandpa? Oops. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry about it. Just all know right. that just know that we're all You're punished. You're company right now, Norm. <laughs> we're all punished equally, so to speak. All right, so <clears throat> we don't have a lot of sports today. Yeah. I think uh, Norm and I are going to go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, according to Killer, concerning the BCS. I think it's 750. Outside of that, it's sprinkled a little bit in here and there. The winter meetings are going on right now. And if you work with Mike Reiner, then you get to wander past him every five seconds and you see his iPad, and all that is up at all times is his Twitter feed 
And then MLB trade rumors is in like another little thing because he is. I've never seen a human being so obsessed with the off season of baseball, especially after the gut punch that we all took uh, last month. And I'm not over it. It's a coping mechanism. I'm with Mike. Are you really? You might as well just jump right back in the pool. You know, why not? Oh, There's I can't. no reason to be butthurt over it forever. It still sucks. It's yeah, but gonna the, suck. the thing is, the thing is about that that gut punch is that if something doesn't happen, a la what the Mavericks did this past year to wipe out 06, and trust me, 06 means nothing to me now. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's all part of the story. Yeah, I don't care. I really don't. I don't care about Dirk's missed free throws or the choke in Game Three. I don't. It doesn't even affect me anymore. But until the Rangers do something about what happened this past year, this is with me forever. And now I'm a Red Sox fan, suddenly. You know, and I'm I'm thinking about it. When baseball season starts, there will not be one game that goes on. Well, you can tell why Corby's a Red Sox fan, though. The stories of eating fried chicken and drinking beer during the game. That, that's right in line with Corby. Perfect, yeah. Hey, it's a great game. Ordering Popeyes and getting that's, hookers in the that, dugout. Right? That's right. <laughs> now, that's a ball game. But I'm serious. I don't. I don't. It's not going to go away when 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 uh, opening day rolls around and I'm sitting there looking at the team and watching the game and having fun. There is one thing that's going on through my brain, and that's Nephi with a three-two count or whatever it was. And yeah. I, it's just it's just me. That's me. It's not everybody. That's me though. So I'm gonna. It's gonna be really difficult for me. But the winter meetings are going on right now, and I always find the winter meetings to be somewhat tedious and somewhat overblown. Maybe a lot overblown. Oh yeah. You went over there. They're here. They're at the... Hilton Anatole. The Anatole. Beautiful place. Is that the... That's the hotel that looks like a deodorant stick? Or is that the one... No, no. That's the... That's the other one. The one that's that looks across like, the highway. Yeah. yeah. Looks like linoleum on its side? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, men in, the men in speed stick hotel over there. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's across the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, the that's where I had... Um, that's where my prom was. The that's Anatole where, looks like out. it was built with a gigantic <laughs> Lego set. Yeah. What? Oh. What? We need to take the top of the hour break. What, what do you mean? Oh, I don't yeah, understand. that's right. How long is it? Two minutes. Two minutes. Pause. Ten right. seconds for station identification. All right. We'll come back and we'll get Sean's take and uh, how many girls that he slept with yesterday at the winter meetings. Three. The Unticket. Elephant Day. I'm not going to reset again because we just did that a few minutes ago and I'm, I don't care what the what boss says. Wednesday. White Elephant Day. Day of infamy. Mm. So like we're all here. White Elephant. We're all here and... We were talking about the uh, the winter meetings, and not specifically trades or any of that stuff, but what actually goes on and what the media has to go through. So you were over there, quote unquote, covering it, eh, walking around talking to people. Was it? It's a schmooze fest. You're just basically trying to find people you know. Job hunting. Maybe there, oh. you know there's a lot of job hunting. Oh. Is there really? Yeah, they, oh. the, really. The young college like Stephen Kelly, our intern here. Imagine a thousand kids like him in suits and ties. Or, oh, or, no. Jared, or Jared Sandler, who did baseball in Montana this summer, looking to move you up know a what? league or two. I talked to Jared yesterday. Yeah. In fact, I think he landed a new gig. Did he? I believe so. All right. It's not official, official, but I think he found a, a job in a better market doing some baseball. Where was he? Do they know about his history? He, he yeah, because I'm willing to attest to one particular night. I mean, is that the kind of guy you want in your organization? Exactly. <laughs> Has that not been expunged? I don't think that... T- no, you need years to be yeah. expunged. Trust me. 
She can never run for office. Yeah, it's a bunch of kids trying to find jobs. It's and a, a bunch, bunch of, of old riders just hanging out with each other. And a bunch of people who don't have jobs in baseball looking hook on with an organization. Mm-hmm. And then there's... Well, wait a minute. I don't understand. Let's just say there's a bunch of college kids in suits walking around. Who are they schmoozing to? Well, there's a job fair, too. Yeah. It was a big job fair for all the kids. And they're just trying to meet... Anybody they can in with any big league club trying to get what a, foot a in the beating. Door. And organizations yes. have lots of people there. Yeah, I mean they'll have, Lord knows they'll have GMs and assistant GMs and in scouting directors and lots of people will be there. So it's a big bump fest. Now it's cool at times. You'll see players. You know, you'll yeah. see managers. I mean, it's it's kind of neat. You'll see TV personalities. So you're just walking around milling about. And you can go up and talk to these people and press the flesh and say hi. And it, there, there are no girls there, though. I mean, this is yeah. the biggest sausage fest you've ever seen in your life. So my question is, though, like within the actual dealings themselves with agents and, you know, you hear all these rumors going around with Pujols and Ray has got signed and all. But when does that actually does that take place there? Like, I mean, is there like yeah. a designated, all right, uh, Mr. Pujols, we would like for you to meet us inside meeting room 31 at 10 a.m.? Well, here's Dan Lozano, who's got all sorts of clients, including Pujols. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got all the teams there. And Lozano will say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll meet with the Cardinals about him at, at, at 10 o'clock, and, and then I'll meet with uh, the Phillies about so-and-so at 1030, and then I'll, at 1045, I'll meet with the Cubs about so-and-so, and it'll be just... Jumping around. And you've got riders following these people around, tweeting and, and trying to scoop each other. Oh, my God. And then you've got all these deals that get set up, Corby, on uh, conditions. For instance, uh, the Rangers re-sign C.J. Wilson. Suddenly, they, they're better than the Angels. Florida drops out because they've already given their money to Reyes and and Heath Bell, and perhaps Pujols, they drop out. Washington's not a significant suitor. It's down to the Angels and the Rangers. The Angels get C.J. Wilson. Well, then they've had all these formative talks with the A's, saying, well, if we get C.J. Wilson, we've got Matt Harrison to deal, and we can deal Harrison and this guy and this guy for Andrew Bailey, who fits in our bullpen. But we can't do it unless we get Wilson or Burley for our starting staff. So all these Possible deals get set up. So to answer your question, it's a nerd out. Yeah. Example A. What it's, Norm it's, just it, said. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like a, it sounds like a giant rotisserie league almost. It you kind know? of is. Where all the GMs for the leagues are there, and and you know it's like your big draft almost. Well, good morning to my friend Dave Lawson, <laughs> who co-owns our fantasy team, who's headed for the Anatole this morning. I ran into him yesterday, and and will be showing people his brand new website to teams for massive amounts of information he produces really yeah and there's loads of those people there too because that's become a huge game in baseball the statistical breakdown i can do this for you and there's a giant hall of just exhibits and booths and you know products i mean you you name it sunflower seeds to donuts on bats to pitching machine i saw eight different jugs machines yesterday for baseball Oh yeah. my God! So it's just I mean, it's, it's people just, trying it's, to make a buck, get their, get their yes. foot in the door oh any God. way they can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like I'm so glad that we're not broadcasting from out there. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be me, because Mike would be wandering around. And you know what? This is the bad part too about Twitter with reporters. There are no bad parts. Shut up. Agreed. Amen. Is that these guys now? The anus is on them mm-hmm. to come up with something. Mm-hmm. To feel that they're not being out scooped or out tweeted by these other guys. 
Have you seen the Newberg report at all lately? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. We, we all read Jamie's stuff. Jamie started yesterday with quoting seven or eight of the best baseball reporters out there who had every conceivable opinion about Wilson. Who was chasing him? The, the Nationals. No, no, the Nationals deny that. The Red Sox. No, no, one guy reports the Red Sox. No, no, Red Sox aren't chasing him. And it's just crazy. And now you can throw out mystery team anytime you don't mystery know. Mystery team. Yeah. That's now the that's new thing. The, yes. And that's awesome. If you tweet that, well, it looks like that there's a mystery team for boo holes. Oh and, my God. And you can and, never be wrong. No, you're, you're always right. And apparently that's the Angels now. That came out late, late last night. That the mystery team is the for Angels. CJ. No, for Albert. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my God. But again, it's all speculation. Yeah. It's all I don't. Guesswork. Why am I saying? Oh my God. Yeah. It's. You shouldn't believe half of what you read when it comes to the winter meeting. That is the bad of Twitter. Is that you can get away with stuff like that, and you're never held accountable. That's account- blaming guns. You're, you're guns never- don't kill <laughs> people. Shut up. People kill people. You're never held accountable by any of that. Irresponsible stuff. journalism existed long before Twitter. Yeah, but now it's so immediate, it's so out there. You used to, you would have to wait a full day for someone's column to come out and actually read it. Now it's just boom, it's rapid fire, ba 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 boom, and you got to react to your competitors. Blame the person, not the gun, Corby. No, I blame the, the I blame fault. the gun on this one. I know you didn't want to get into it big time, but are you kind of chuckling to see CJ's Wilson value dip a little bit? Well, okay, so has it four and sixty from it, the range, fifteen a year, yeah. So it's not really dipping, but he Poor was guy. he was wanting. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> yeah, really. But he was seriously he was wanting you know, you know, hundred million. He's going to get for six years. He's going to get five for eighty eighty five. Someone will offer that. I think so. Maybe he may get five and an option. Someone will freak out. It always happens. Oh yeah, maybe the angels. Some, yeah, Angels are freaked out about being screwed by the Napoli trade and then left at the altar on Adrian Beltre last year by the Rangers. Where are they getting all their money, by the way? I thought that they were financially strapped. With the, the Angels? Yeah, with Hunter and um, what's-his-face? Oh. They Vernon hit two thir- Wells. Yeah, Vernon Wells. Oh. I thought that they were, like, uh, scaling back a little bit and kind of rethinking their spending habits. Well, they are, but at the end of this year, Santana's contract disappears after the 2012 season. And Hunter's contract disappears Mm -hmm. after the 2012 season. The thought is they could overspend for a year, but bridge to the future. Because in the next year, they've got the young outfielders, Borjos and Trout, and Hunter probably goes away with that giant amount of money he's making. You want Mark Burley? You keep on the Rangers? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think I'd rather have him than CJ. And he's three years and maybe about 14 Mm -hmm. per year. Would you focus on your ticker in there? (laughs) Man, I'm I've had it with you. A little sleepy in here, to be honest with you. So, wait a minute. Is there a cut? If we get Burley, do we have to admit that the guy was turning on and off the office lights in center field a few years ago, tipping off Burley's pitches? Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, he was the one. When you pitch as fast as Mark Burley, how can you ever steal a sign and get it to the hitter? Yeah. Somebody 650 feet away was using office yeah, lights. I'm not buying that. Oh, I'm not buying it either. He likes. Mike says he likes to hunt. Like, he's only going to go somewhere where he is allowed to fish and or hunt. Pretty good here, right? Yeah. Where I'm no be? hunter, but... That rules out New York City. Does it? I think so. And LA. Depends on what you call hunting. Uh-huh. Wild pigs in Florida? White Rock's got some sweet fish. That's true. 
and and Levon <laughs> and Ray Hubbard. Yeah, seriously, yo. I should throw in Lake Louisville. That's our area, Bob. Killer, why is there an open segment next? Because we're going to talk. There Heisman. isn't. We're talking Heisman. You didn't fill it in. Oh, coming up next, the Heisman. Will I win it again? The unticket. Norman and I are uh, man in the fort in here currently, and uh, we'll all switch places here in just a bit. And uh, I think I'm doing ticker. When are you doing tickers? Uh, eight o'clock eight? hour. I'm doing nine o'clock. So Sean's yeah, doing it next. So the Heisman Trophy will be this Saturday. The five finalists were announced a couple of days ago. RG3 from Baylor, Andrew Luck from Stanford, Tyron Matthew from LSU, Monty Ball, Wisconsin, and Trent Richardson from Alabama. And the early reports are saying that this is going to be a landslide victory for RG3. For Baylor. The Baylor kid is going to win. And just a couple or three weeks ago, he was not considered the front runner. It's the last two to three weeks of the season. Well, the the thought was in the middle of the season. You know, Baylor. You know, we're right next to Baylor. We're an hour yeah. away, mm-hmm. and I know you get their propaganda. We're, we get like a letter a day promoting Robert Griffin the third for Heisman. A nice little trading card. Yeah, like laminated, little laminated trading cards. Yeah, that's great. And good for them. They don't need to do that. Robert Griffin the third was on the national map about two games in, mm-hmm. and. You know, maybe after the TCU game, when he went wild in the first game, maybe people started talking about it then. But everybody knows, has been knowing, you know, what Robert Griffin was about. But you're right; people thought it was going to be an invite that he would be invited, and that was about it. Oh, and then just get to New York. Yes. Yeah. And and you know what? That's the that's a huge feather in the cap for Baylor and for Robert. Mm-hmm. But after the Oklahoma game, and especially after the last play of the Oklahoma game, that catapulted him into the next stratosphere. Yes, it did. And he now is going to go to New York to win the Heisman Trophy. Named after John Heisman, one of the legendary coaches in college football, who coached at places like Oberlin, Auburn, before it was Auburn. He left briefly, just like a lot of college coaches do today, Corby. He left briefly college coaching to move to Texas to raise tomatoes. (laughs) True. Then he went to Clemson, Georgia Tech, Washington, and Jefferson. This is a guy associated with so many things we now take for granted. The center snap, John Heisman. The word hike, John Heisman. What do they do before the center snap? I have no idea. They stood on the side and flipped it back or something. He was the guy that said, why don't we help our fans keep track of the game by putting down and distance on the scoreboard? Really? He was a guy who actually set up, according to legend, the first game plans. Here are the plays we're going to run. <laughs> this sounds like Tech Schramm and Lamar Hunt all combined into one yeah, before those does. two. He was Johann Wilhelm Heisman. Uh, and Wait, he coached at Oberlin? He coached at Oberlin, yes. Now, Oberlin, I don't think, has a football team these days. Aren't they known as a very left-leaning liberal school and? Very, very good school, yeah, in Ohio. Ohio, yeah. Right. Yeah. He was also, while at Georgia Tech, the guy who coached the biggest college football single massacre in the history of college football when they beat Cumberland, mm-hmm. 222 to nothing. And there are some facts about that game that are intriguing. First of all, why wouldn't they take their throat 
or their foot off Cumberland's throat. They scored 63 points in the first quarter, 63 more in the second quarter, 54 in the third quarter, and then 42 in the fourth quarter to reach 222 to nothing. Well, I don't think that they were going five wide, you know? I mean, it was basically just turn and hand off, right? Right. Why did they, why did they not let up on Cumberland? Early that year, Cumberland had beaten Georgia Tech in baseball 22 to nothing amidst rampant rumors that Cumberland had recruited some professional players as ringers in order to drill Georgia Tech. Where's Cumberland? Is it in Georgia? Georgia, yeah. Okay. It's in Cumberland Gap. I okay. Think. Anyway, so Cumberland, before the season begins, before the 1916 season begins, drops football. They're not going to play this game. Georgia reminded them of the contract they had and that Cumberland would have to give them $3,000 if they canceled this game. Well, back then, three grand. That's a hundred grand. Yeah. So Cumberland organizes under the team's student manager who gets 14 people to travel to Atlanta for this game. <laughs> So they had never even played football? No, they, they were no, they didn't intend to play the game. The student manager, in order to fulfill the contract, gets fourteen guys to go to Atlanta and play the game. Now, one other thing. Back then we had of all things <laughs> rankings. Yes. And one of the key factors in rankings was points scored per game. This should have treated Georgia Tech quite well. Exactly right. For the year, they looked pretty good on the average, yeah. didn't they? But that was John Heisman who coached that team. God, can you imagine, like right now, if and essentially it's set up this way for a lot of the big teams that they'll play a lot of. Uh, let's take LSU for example. Non-conference wise, they'll have their sights set on a marquee matchup, a middle matchup, mm-hmm. and then a patsy. Samford Citadel. Yes. Yes. But can you imagine if Samford or the Citadel called and was like, "Yeah, um, to LSU, we're um, our our water boys getting together about ten or twelve students to come out there and play you guys." What's game time again? <laughs> yeah, and to see LSU just go after them and just absolutely destroy them, I'd watch. <laughs> oh man! By the way, um, Tyron Matthew, Honey uh, Badger. Yes, who is, without a doubt, the most dominant defensive player in the country. Do you realize this kid from right outside New Orleans, he's 5'9", he's 170 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know who recruited him outside of LSU? No. Here is his scholarship offer. Uh Uh-oh. His offer? Offers. They're multiple. LSU offered him, okay? And I'm sure everybody at LSU... Because all those recruiting dorks, they'll keep up with this type of stuff. 170 pounds. When they offered this 5'9", 170-pound kid, they were like, what? LSU? What, why are we offering this kid? Because here is the rest of his offers. Florida International. Hampton. Oy. Louisiana Monroe. Oy. Miami of Ohio. Oy. SMU. To, SMU could have had the honey badger? Yes. Oh. Tulane. And, and Southern Miss, who had a nice season. Mm-hmm. But if you're LSU, 
Why are you offering this kid? Somebody saw something, and whoever that guy is, raise. So wait a minute. No other SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, or Pac-10 team. No. So much as offered this guy a scholarship. The best player in the... I think, for my money, the best player in the country. I honestly think that. Incredibly impactful player. Yes. No one, except for LSU. Know what's scary about him? The other cornerback he was with last year was considered better than him, Patrick Peterson. I know. Is that scary? I know. That's scary. Imagine one of those two considering himself the second-team punt returner at LSU. God. It's not fair. It isn't fair. All right, it's 629 here on Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. Coming up next, a muser staple. It is the Observation Deck. Your host, Sean Bass. Uh, you want to do a tease? Yeah, we have Drop Kryptonite, and what would Corby do at Occupy Denton? Ooh. The Unticket. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. A lot of sponsors. All right, here's Sean Bass. Popular show. It really is. Show. Yes, doing my best Gordon Keith impersonation, the O-Deck. Okay, I'm going to give you some stories here in a bit, wackadoo stories and whatnot, but I want since you're both here, both of you are very fascinating to me because... Two of you have some of the most insane drops we play here at the station. Now, Corby, I know your disdain for a number of them. Yep. And I know that if you could purge the TCU drop, that would... uh... There are two. There are two drops that absolutely kill me. Okay, I gave them to Jer, and I I think I guessed them. Let's play them right now. That slut that I married... Is that one? Yes. I went to TCU. I've lived in Dallas for a long time, and there have been hot women surrounding me for... The last 20 years, really. I mean, it kills me because they're so out of context. It's <laughs> unbelievable. That's what we do around here, Corby. That's all we do around here, Corby. Now, I want to explain myself one more time on that slut that I married, and I feel comfortable saying that now because it's already a drop. That I'm talking about the Kardashians and Robert Kardashian, who is dead, <laughs> looking down from heaven... And because those three little girls that he helped raise until they were about, what, eight, nine, and ten or something? And when he died, they were probably sweet little girls. Second, third, fourth grade, or whatever the case may be. And I was saying he's looking down from heaven at his wife because she did the raising after that and thinking, that slut that I married, (laughs) what the hell has she done? What that has she slut done to my- that I married what is, is she- a grade A whore. Okay. What has she done? So that's the context of that. So that, yes, that bothers me. Now, does that ever get back to Julie? Because obviously she listens, and, and I'm sure that she knows how yeah, things are up of here. of course. But do any of her friends ever go, boy, I heard Corby. I think so. Yeah, he's saying that you're a slut <laughs> every day. That slut that I married... <laughs> Um, I think it, you know, I think some people will probably be like, golly, I can't believe what he said. You know, how do you put up with that? And I think she's just. But has that one ever been addressed at home? Because every time I hear it, I can't help but think of her just giving me this evil. Oh, I'm a slut now, huh? (laughs) Um, Slut. No. She's never actually brought it up. Or maybe she has. I don't even remember. I think I bury half those conversations. But she's never. She gets it. Yeah. She knows. But then the TCU thing. I don't think I've really ever, I don't think I've explained this one in a long time. I went to TCU. I've lived in Dallas for a long time, and there have been hot women surrounding me for 
the last 20 years, really. Really? It sounds so awful. It does. <laughs> but it sounds so true. All it is is that, okay, so speaking of Saroy being in Cozumel, I was in Cancun, I don't know, mm-hmm. a couple of, four or five years ago, six years ago. When, when does that drop? Does it say on there? Uh, hang on a sec. Okay. We keep track of stuff like that? Oh, when yeah. it was? So I go, yes. April 4th, 2007. Okay. So I was down in in the little Mexico, and me and the wife and another couple were down there, and we all go out, or actually me and the dude end up going out to town in Cancun one night to check it out. Well, we didn't know it, because we were staying at some resort that was pretty far off the beaten path, and there wasn't a lot of people there. And we get into town, and we, re- we realize that it was spring break oh, no. for the SEC. Ooh. That's fun. And so we go to this bar, and I'm sitting there looking around going, it was unbelievable. Now I'm 20 years older than these people, so there wasn't even one glance at me. But we're just sitting there on a bar stool staring at this. But you look 23. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's all around us. Every, I mean, it is wall-to-wall chick dancing, jugs, everything. Grinding. Yes. Yeah. And my point was, is that I have lived in this city for a long time with hot girls everywhere, including at TCU, but I've never seen anything like this before. But it came across as this. I went to TCU, I've lived in Dallas for a long time, and there have been hot women surrounding me for the last 20 years, really. That never gets old. Yeah. But, that was the but. Now, Norm, you have, and a lot of these are doctored. But you never address groups. groups mostly. But, I mean, you say some stuff that's taken way out of context that is absolutely funny. All right. You never address this, though, ever. And I, and I commend you for that because what are you going to do? You can't win if you address it. But what are your thoughts about when you're driving around in the afternoon and you hear the hard line and you hear a doctor <laughs> groups drop saying, guess what I have in my underwear? <laughs> And What's then, good, though, is the ones I don't, didn't even have to doctor. Let me urinate on your face. Yeah. <laughs> I love Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that that's again taken out of the context of the show. Sure thing. it is. No, no I think you really love Adolf Hitler. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, the ones that... Nine. There's one I... Re- Nine! <laughs> there's one I truly regret that... Bad Radio won't let me forget. I blame this on Bob Sturm in particular. Whatever. I had this long, wonderful build-up to Pat Summerall. He was doing the Jacksonville Washington oh, yes. game. I really thought you were going to regret the Donovan one, but it's no, the Pat no, Summerall. The Pat Summerall one. Are you talking about you eat chitlins? Yes. Yeah. I really thought that would be the one he was ashamed of. I was having fun with Don, and I get this long, wonderful Pat. You're in the booth. You're a celebrity. You did Jacksonville, Washington, and Washington. Goodness gracious knows you're with all these fantastic people, and they know you. And this is there's all sorts of celebs coming to the Washington games and politicals and. And who might have visited the booth last week in Washington? Pat just pauses for a moment and says, the game was in Jacksonville. <laughs> Washington. Okay, You but, were in Washington. But that's a brain fart. That's a mistake. Yeah, uh-huh. there, there are things that are just awful that they play, especially yeah. in the afternoon. You and, eat chitlins. Well, there's that. But 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 that doesn't does that affect you? I just no. want not at all. No, no, not at all. Uh, the first couple of years they were startling to hear them. Yeah, they look were. at my buttocks, <laughs> and they're startling to hear. But 
After it's all over, you get used to this station. Sometimes I guess you well, never. You do. do get used to it, but there's some that just stick with you. What about like the? Um, I hate the Diamond Talk drop so much. Oh, I bet. I hate that. And of course, of course, I host Diamond Talk. Of yes. course. <laughs> but but like you said, after a few years, you start to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And, and the and one year ago today, White Elephant was the infamous Rick Carlisle interview where now I uh, and I and we got that. That was so great. <laughs> and I don't even know if I could produce that sound ever again in my life. Now I uh, and I. I now I and I now I and I and I that that got because I was doing tickers yeah, at the time. You highlighted it. For oh a my whole god! Ticker. <laughs> for the, whole, the rest of the day. I mean, I was like so excited to hear that. Do you have the entirety of that question? Because that yeah, hold on. That to me really was the highlight of White Elephant. Is Sean's filling in for Norm, and and has to do the Rick Carlisle interview. Now, can, I, can I defend myself real quick? Because a I thought okay, it was a long Bob Sturm like question. Yeah, I'll freely admit that. <laughs> I, I learned from Mine my are mistakes. Awesome. Your, yours are awesome. Mine wasn't as awesome, but it was it was a relevant question because Deshaun Stevenson, you know, yeah, he was he was kind of a big part of things. We saw that in the finals. As yeah, they won a championship, and what a jerk, dude. I, yes. lo- I love Rick Carlisle, but come on, dude, you have to, just don't say no. <laughs> this is this is a guy that's done television before. <laughs> the, but the the length of the question compared to the length of the answer, I mean, the disparity is nine. Uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Well, you talk about the depth on this team, and it seems like at the point, obviously winning 10 straight, you're, you're in a good way, but it seems like guys are starting to, I guess, find comfort in their roles. Deshaun Stevenson, I think, has started 15, 16 straight games now. Sean Marion has been very productive off the bench. Jed is himself. Uh, Brendan Haywood has been, uh, I would say, very good over the last handful of games. And uh, Do you worry, though, when Roddy B gets back that you know, you're going to have to maybe change up some of this chemistry that you've already established? No. Now I uh, and I and I, <laughs> and I think the pause between that and the stammer is what kills me the most when I go back and hear oh, that because I I didn't have anything ready. Let me tell you Sean's problem here. He didn't have experience dealing with Rick Carlin. No, this was this was interview one. And, and, I mean, there's been post game press conference stuff, but you know, it's, it's I've not done a full years interview. with Carlisle and with Rick. You've always got to be ready with it real quick. See, I, I mean, I've heard him do this a lot with you. <laughs> you know, and, and he'll just, it, it's essentially move on. Yes. Yeah. You know, and you, and, but you've had pauses too where it Oh, ta- yeah. Because, you know, you, you'll have this interview with a guy and you're, and you think you're asking a really insightful question, which will kind of spur some sort of conversation mm-hmm. and move things along. And when he fires something right back at you like that, like no or uh uh-uh, uh. Probably not. Yeah, and you're like, well, <laughs> All right, well my, my next question is, uh, and then you maybe don't have a next question. Right. You know? So here's Norm dealing with that. Do you have any guess on how far away Roddy Bobois is? No. No, no, Jer, come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It seems like Roddy's the, the lightning Roddy rod. Yeah, that, that's the question that really uh, sets him off. I had a stack of stories here. I can only get to one, I guess, because we're up against it. The Occupy Denton thing, I'm sure you've had this in Community Quick Hits. 23-year-old kid Darwin Cox dies in a tent at Occupy Denton. Hmm. Did he OD? Uh, is, they still don't know. I don't think there was a candlelight vigil earlier this week on the uh, earlier this week on the campus of UNT. Now, but I, uh, well, but I, I wonder. Yes, thank you, Jared. But I wonder. You went to UNT for a little while, right? Yeah, and you fashion yourself as a bit of a free spirit and a hippie. There back is then. no way in hell I'm occupying anything. You wouldn't have occupied no. back in the day, no, because I don't think I would have really understood or cared mm-hmm. enough 
to go out and occupy. I mean, if if I'm a student, if I'm a 22-year-old student, I don't think any 22-year-old fully grasps what is going on economically. They just latch on to, I think in this case, colleges and college-age kids are just latching on to what they see on TV yeah, nationally. Yeah, movement. Yeah, let's go. Uh, come on, man. Let's, let's go, go camping. Let's go get in our tent and camp. Yeah, and take two, it's an X. <laughs> I mean, it's just a... It's, Mark! <laughs> I think it's just an excuse for these kids to get out, drink beer somewhere, smoke sure. weed, do drugs at another place do besides their house. Do we have any information on the Occupy Pine Bluff yeah. movement? Yeah, an Arkansas Pine Bluff. Mm. I'm sure it's happening on college campuses so. all over the country. Pine you know, but you look at uh, you look at Occupy Dallas. Mm-hmm. The the leader, like the 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 guy that was in charge there at the end, was a 22 year old kid. Yeah. What what kind of perspective does he have on this? As opposed to a 35 year old who actually has lived it, who has seen his wages go from 50 grand to to 18 grand or whatever the case may be. How do, how does this 22 year old kid know anything? You know, working at Radio Shack for five dollars an hour, and and then getting fired, and and then you know that's it. What? That's not perspective. So these kids that are doing this, I'm sorry, it's not. It, it's so different from what you saw in the '60s with Vietnam, because those were the kids, and you can attest to this. Those were the kids that were going right. to Vietnam. They were exactly fighting. Right. Their friends were. You know, they saw their friends get killed. This. It seems hollow. This yes, seems a lot more hollow. It than, is so hollow. That. And I get it if you're 40 years old and you're occupying wherever. But the kids doing it? No. I know you're coming out in the job force and you're the ones that are supposedly the future of the economy. I'm not buying it though. All right, birthdays. Actress Ellen Bernstein, 79. Norm, you That's familiar? Nice. No. Yeah, you do birthdays in Muse. Oh, is that? Oh. Well, Killer gave me a list of birthdays. Well, screw me. Killer. Killer. Thanks for the ticket. Oh, my God. Do I have to come over there and switch places with you now? I don't know. I always give Gordon the whole pile of stories mm. and birthdays are in there. That's okay. Sorry. We'll blame this one on Killer. It's okay. Blame yes. the BCS. E3. Com- coming up next, I'm still under the microscope here on White Elephant Day. Uh, Yes, you are under the microscope. Next. The Unticket. Coming up next, we will have Muse in the News with Norm, who's going to focus on elephants, I do believe, mm. which should be interesting. Um, But right now, Sean Bass is in here. Hi. Sean has an interesting lifestyle. Of course. I- <laughs> going on right now. First off, you're rooming with groups. Yes. In Garland. In Garland. Huh. Dirty Garland. Why did y'all choose Garland? Uh, it's, well, as you know, I was engaged. Yes. And in fact, one year ago, I, to the, to the day or last White Elephant Day, I made the big announcement that I was engaged because... That was a year ago? It was a year ago. Okay. Yes, and that fell apart in April. We decided to save ourselves a divorce. We were adults about it, I think. So yeah. we're all moving on, but um, we moved to Garland because she took a jo- job teaching there. Okay. So you know, it made sense at the time. All right. Not my ideal place, but it's nice. we got a nice house, and yep. I have a dog, and I wanted to keep the dog... And we have a backyard, so she was moving to an apartment. I'm like, you know what? I'm keeping the dog. I'm staying here. How long does it take you to get here? Shoot down Northwest Highway, about 20 minutes, maybe. It's, okay, so it's, it's really not, bad. not that bad, no. Okay. Now, since you broke off the engagement, are you 30 yet? Uh, I'll be 30 in two months. So you're. So that's starting to screw with me a little bit. You start to evaluate everything in your life. and When you turn 30? Yeah. See, I don't know about that. How old are you, Killer? At least I am. I'm 35. I've just given up. <laughs> Yeah, I gave up a lot. Jer? 37. Okay. Now, when I turned 30, I think I got married at 31. Mm-hmm. I think I was. The night of the meatballs, right? 
That was a meatball night, yes. Um, but if if you look at 30 and you start to freak out over whatever, you're misguided, I think at least. Mm-hmm. Meatball! Because I think 30, and I bet you Norm can will attest to this for sure. I heard my aunt say one time that she, when she was a kid that she looked forward to turning 35 because she thought at 35, when she was 25, that at 35 she would have all the answers. Right. <laughs> and that you would feel like an adult and all this garbage like that. That never happens. Ever. You never feel like completely comfortable, as, at least I still don't at 42, right. like as an adult and... I'm settled and I'm married and I have two children. Not that I don't enjoy it because it's it's it is awesome. But at the <laughs> but at the same time, it it really means nothing in the grand scheme of things. No, and I know it's just a number, but you know, to be engaged and to act like your life is on this certain path and you think it's going to go a certain way, and for it to end relatively abruptly, and then you know, I, I had a, a and loss. then you start over. Wait a you you who, start who over. Died while I was out. I was just getting a cup of water. Yeah, it's like Kevin in the ticker room died. Sean is uh, Sean's lamenting, not lamenting, discussing. He he was engaged a year ago. Announced it on the air. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it is since it's fallen apart, Norm. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that for he's for the better. By the yeah, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're not unhappy no, about that. Not but at all. it is a big detour in your life. Absolutely, because you're thinking, okay, here we go. We're going to start this life together, and we got a dual income going on, and we got a house, and we got a dog, and we're going to have kids here in four years, and Mm. you think all these things are happening, and then, boom, you're starting over. Right. And that's probably what you're freaking out more than anything. A little bit, yeah. And knowing you have to have a roommate at this point in your life, because I I was, even before Danielle and I got together, we were, I was living by myself, doing okay. Yeah. But, you know, you accrue more debt, you, you become more of an adult, and you have more things to pay for. It's like, well, crap, I need a roommate. And now Groobs lives with him. Yes. Groobs is toting the note. <laughs> Which doesn't make a ton of sense. I'm glad he is. <laughs> I love living with the guy. Yeah. But, he, you know, his parents, I mean, my God, they're loaded, and they have a palatial. <laughs> like, I asked to go live with his folks. That, that would be great. Yes, I, mean, I would. I mean, if I were Groobs, I would live at home as long as humanly possible. Yes. If because I were groups, I'd occupy his backyard. No doubt. <laughs> That's where I'd occupy. I'd occupy the Groover's backyard. His lifestyle? Uh, the way, because he, he goes out and parties and stuff. Like, I wouldn't want to go back to my parents' house in a condition groups goes out. <laughs> is that you? No. I don't know who that is. I think that's you. Did you hear that? <laughs> Is that from the movie Elf? Yes. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I agree. You don't want to go back all drunk to your parents' house. But still... But I am partying more now, which is awesome. You are? I'm really enjoying that. Going out and stuff? Yeah. So that's good. Yes. And it, it because for a while you get into a routine with a with, with a girl, and you know you start to you know become more domestic, and that that that's been the good part of all this. What is kind getting of back out there and yeah, more. what kind of curveball would that have thrown you, Bob, at the age of what? When did you get married? Twenty five. Uh, let's see. Yeah, twenty three. Twenty three. Uh huh. Wow. So let's say let's say bump it up a couple years. Okay. Twenty five. Twenty six years old. Right. And you and Sally have been dating since you were four or whatever it was. <laughs> Roughly. And you guys break off the engagement. And you move here right. to Dallas. And you work in radio. Right. And you, you're starting all over from scratch. Is that exciting or is that completely harrowing? I have to tell you the prospect and don't think once in a while, you know, it isn't, 
you know, some once in a while you, you have to evaluate where you are in yeah. life, and uh, you know, you just have to see. Okay, is this working out? Of course, it is with uh, with me and my lovely bride. But you know, once in a while, you at least wonder, well, what would it be like? And I know that I would never leave the house. I would be horrible. I would be a shut in. Like if she ever left me for any reason, yeah, I would be useless. I mean, I've had one, really one girlfriend in my life, and I never really had a party scene. Yeah. So, so let's, like the prospects, let's be honest. like the prospects of of she leaves, right? She takes the like kids, some guys. Whatever. I think at my age really aspire to get back to that. Well, I never had that, and I would, I wouldn't do well. It would be like Shawshank when you're. With Brooksy, yeah, and I, you'd go someplace and hang. I just, I just, I don't know, I don't know what I would do, you know, because we all, as dudes who are married with kids, I think we all aspire, if we can be honest here, and if we're in the trust tree, I think we all look forward to that one or two times a year where the wife and the kids leave for like three days, and it's it's out there on the calendar like three months off, and you're like, whoa, this is. I mean, you can't let her know, but you yeah. really can't wait to have the house to yourself for three days. And I found out over my uh, many years of marriage, and, and now my many years with kids, as Maddie's almost ten already, it's just about two hours into it, I have exhausted all of my plans. Like, and I, I know there are other guys who uh, it turns into, uh, you know. Full-on bachelor party weekend. Yeah, the hangover. They yeah. the hangover movie. They wake up. There's a tiger in their apartment. There's chickens <laughs> running around. Just with me, I mean, I would be saying, man, the Sabres and the Devils are on tonight at 6. Okay, let me check that out. And I would be bored out of my mind by 8.30. Bored out of my mind. I can't I can't live alone. Yeah. You like, would... I am, yeah, it's Shawshank. I need the cell as bad as the cell needs me. Jeez, that's the same thing I think when I watch the day, uh, say, Sabres and Devils. <laughs> Right? How, how old were you when you got married? Thirty-nine. So, and you were never engaged or anything prior to no, that. Never. You waited till you were thirty-nine. Mm-hmm. And so, was it a culture shock for you? A little bit, yeah. Because you get, as you get older, Sean. Let's say you remain single another ten years. Mm. You will get very set in your ways. Oh yeah, that's you the. Will, you will see, do, that's the thing. That's the yeah. hardest thing for all these guys to get married when they're forty, is that your routine is set. Your right. life. What you do on a daily basis at that point, most people have been in their in, in their job routine for a certain amount of time, your eating routine, your going out routine, See, everything I, is set. I think that would be easier, though. Like, seriously, if you married no, your dude. high school girlfriend, you can't do anything on your own, really. Like, you, I mean, not that she has oh, dinner you, waiting all yeah. the time, but there are so many things in life that you don't have to worry about. As a single dude, like I think a junior miller... You know who uh, got married who, around who lived, thirty-eight or who something? Kind of lived the Seinfeld dream, and uh, you know, around forty or so, decided what? Let's try this other way of like he learned how to do everything. I bet you Junior had a uh, a, a menu uh, selection of uh, twenty different meals he could come up with, and they would all taste pretty good. Probably he wasn't doing ramen that he could cook. You mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, he's he knows his way around the kitchen, and he you know knows his way around everything. Really, as a dude, you can become quite useless if you rely on things being done for you from time to time. And there's uh, no doubt. And Gordon so, Key. so my wife leaves town, and I'm uh, running to restaurants for food because I don't want to. I don't even want to consider trying you, to make something you, for myself. You don't need to be confined to your house, though, when, when they're be. gone. What would I do? 
Dude, if you, if, if like go to a game by myself, like, go to a movie by myself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my wife. She there's doesn't, nothing wrong with going to a movie. Alone. Not at all. No, there no, probably not isn't, at all. but it just seems a little pathetic. No, it's not. Uh, it seems, who cares? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's it, dark. It, Nobody sees you. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's equally pathetic to send and your the lights come on and your pants are devil. down or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know what I was doing. This is the my wife's not here. Story, right? This is the Pee Wee Herman story. No, it's not the okay. Pee Wee Herman story. No, okay. no, not at all. I, I, I know dudes are predisposed to always think the grass is always greener. No matter where they are, they look at their buddy and they say, well, he's got it better than I do. And I just, that's how dudes are wired. I'm telling you, though, over the course of time, I've realized I would You'd be, be screwed. I would be useless. Yeah. God, yeah. he would turn into Brooksy. And yeah. we would found we would find him in his media room with Bob was here. Yeah, Bob was here, cut into the one of the right the, the wooden boards across the roof. Bob was here. and just to do a bit. Dan would come in and be, so was Dan. <laughs> right, right. And you know what? If, if Dan was one, if Dan was the one that found Bob hanging, he would be sure to insert the lemon right in his mouth. Well, be a little late. <laughs> no, just to make it look. Seedy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh God, man! I knew it. I knew it. And Bob's like, "Look, guys, look! I uh, I put it in there, so uh, you know, to make it look good. to make it look like he died, like David Carradine. Yeah, going happy. Like that would be really funny if your buddy walked in and you're hanging. Well, not funny, but you're dead. And then your friend's like, "Now this sucks, but that's why I can't ever do this at home. Let's make this really interesting." And then he sets up a series of pulleys and levers. Yeah, and yeah I can make the story better. Yeah, yeah, buys like a Bowflex and has you strung up by that, you know, and lemon wedges. All right. Well, Sean, we're going to pray for you. Sean, you're pray doing hard. fine. You're doing fine. Yeah, oh, you're no. you're not Everything's even 30 good. and good. dude, you could be doing morning drive tickers. Oof. You want that? No. Exactly. You're doing great. All right, seven twelve coming up next. Boy, we're gonna see what Pro is though. He's got a ticker like in two minutes and nose uh, nose in the norm next. Yes. All about elephants on White Elephant Day. Nice. The unticket. This time of year. All right. Seven twenty sports radio thirteen's in the ticket. About two hours into this thing. Having a good time on White Elephant Day. T C just brought us some tacos. I like tacos. Yeah. Thank you, Taco. From the Taco Joint. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's awesome. It is time for Muse in the News. Which we call Nose in the News, and I replace the last call one. Brought uh-huh. to us by All Pro Foundation Repair and DM Research. Yes. And this morning, lads, on White Elephant Day, we're yeah. going to talk elephants. There actually is such a thing as a white elephant. It gets its name. White elephant is the idiom for something valuable but burdensome because you can't get rid of it it's a white elephant and it gets its term from thailand where the white elephant was a sign of richness prosperity and justice because the mother of buddha was reputed to have dreamed about a white elephant on eve of giving birth to Buddha, and the white elephant brought her a lotus flower, a symbol of wisdom and purity. Okay. In real life, a white elephant is rare, but how rare? Do we very know? Very rare. I've never very, seen one. It's actually white. Well, you know, it's like white horses. Okay. You know? Anyway, it it gets its Slow term twitch. of you know it's valuable, but you can't get rid of it because. While the king or the ruler would have a white elephant, he would sometimes give it 
to someone who was truly obnoxious that he disliked. Because that person would Mike then be Fernandez. in charge of <laughs> would be in charge of taking care of that elephant, considered sacred. But the elephant couldn't be used for work, so all he'd have to do is feed this huge thing for the rest of its life. So this and is it, it, white elephant. It's like a treasure then to these yes, people. But a burdensome treasure. You can never if you killed a white elephant, oh. you'd probably be killed yourself. Kind of yes. like us killing an albino. <laughs> I guess. Stuff about what? elephants, lads. Stuff know. about elephants. There are three species of elephants on Earth. African bush elephant, African forest elephant, Indian and Asian. They're the largest living animals on Earth. The gestation period for an elephant. Bounce this off uh, Sally Bob. Let me guess. Or bounce this off Julie. Let me guess. I'll bounce. Yeah. Two years. I'll go under. Slightly under. 22 months gestation period. When the calf is born, it typically weighs about 230 pounds. Wow. Elephants live 50 to 70 years, but the uh, the oldest ever recorded was 82. The largest elephant ever was shot in Angola about 50 years ago. The elephant measured 13 feet tall at the shoulder and weighed 24,000 pounds. And to celebrate this glorious creature, we shot him. Yeah, exactly right. Really? That's just... Okay, maybe you have this within the context of your fun facts, but when did it become not illegal, because it's still legal some places to kill elephants, but when did it become taboo? When did they become on the endangered species list and stuff like that? I don't have that. But elephants have been making a comeback. There's now an estimated somewhere in the area of 900,000 to a million elephants living in the world. Now, there are a couple of small varieties, and there are very few of the Sumatran elephant and the Borneo pygmy elephant. Okay. Are those like household pets? Yeah. <laughs> Does the world know that elephants are fabulous swimmers? Yeah, I've seen them. Sw- I've seen the underwater. It's like a hippo. They're incredible, and they use their trunk like a snorkel. The entire elephant will go underwater at times with only the trunk above water. Okay, let's see. Nah, uh, trumpeting, trumpeting. Elephants trumpet. It's an excitement call. Now, it can be startled, it can be a cry of help, or it can be rage. But it's not like waking up in the morning and you start going off and honking your horn or whatever. Elephants also growl with their mouth open. And when they do this, over a long period of time, it sounds like a bellow. They'll leave their mouth open and growl for an elongated period of time that sounds like a bellow. And elephants have incredible, incredible ability to communicate. Elephants can, with their low-frequency sound, which sounds like a bit of a rumble, communicate up to 10 kilometers away with other elephants. How? Good question. Have you enjoyed the elephant in its natural habitat? Oh. What we don't under elephants for me are the hardest thing to see in a zoo, because unlike a lot of animals which are very territorial or regional, elephants have this incredible wanderlust. Oh, they so they'll go for walk what hundreds of miles they'll walk. So they don't necessarily live in a particular place. For, all around. You don't like the trick elephant at the circus? No, it looks like it's 
Hopped up yeah, on what's, tranquilizer. What's tougher, the circus elephant or the zoo elephant? I think the circus elephant. Me too. They put a little skirt on Cause it. Because the, oh the zoo, I think... Put a horn most, in its trunk, you know. Most zoos take pretty good care of it. There is no doubt. Mo, I, I would say 99.9% .9 of, of zoo elephants. Most zoo elephants, that's all they know, too. But right. the circus elephant, they're touring, yeah. they're getting into the nightlife in each city, they're oh, yeah. dabbling in substances. Picking up other elephants. Yeah, it's, it's like Jimmy Darmody with his heroin problem now, you yeah, know. I mean, they're... they're Difficult. Experience. Okay, have you ever seen, though... In all your travels to the African nations, have you seen or heard of the of the ivory trade? Have you seen it in action? Have you? S I've not seen it in action, but it's it's still horribly present there. The, what will they do? Shoot the elephant, rip the tusks Cut off, the tusks out, yeah. and then just leave the and animal leave, there. And leave yep. the animal there for scavengers. Mm -hmm. the The people in Botswana were very concerned. Botswana is the animal capital of the world. They have, Thousands and thousands along the Chobe River. Hundreds of thousands, basically. That's that's the animal capital of the world. They were so concerned with poachers that about 15, 20 years ago, they started this very elite poaching unit. And I mean elite. Pressed uniforms, fully equipped with guns, helicopters, communication systems. And there was one particular incident in Botswana where the communication was that some poachers were working a certain area. The helicopter took off, the trucks took off, they cornered the poacher, poachers, and killed nine of them. Whoa. And so you're that, shot on sight. On sight. And that rumor spread very quickly. And let's just say Botswana doesn't nearly have the poaching problem it used to have. Ah, so the proverbial hunter became yes. the hunted norm. Now, elephants, how much do they eat? A full-grown elephant will consume somewhere between... 300 and 600 pounds of grass and herbs a day. What? Dude. A Come again. Day. Because elephants almost never sleep. They walk and eat is all they do. They walk Big, and strong eat. Jeremy. Wait a minute. All right, go back to the daily intake. I need yep. you to... How does a zoo afford that? 300 pounds? 300 pounds of food a day. Where do they get this food? That seems like a bluff. Everywhere. Trees, grasses. I'm going to need something notarized. You, you can see bark. Uh, elephants use their tusks to strip the bark off trees. See, if they ate meat, they wouldn't eat as much salad. Yes. It's really not a bad point. It's filling. Yes. The elephant's trunk is a fusion of the nose and the upper lip, and it's sensitive enough to pick up a blade of grass or to pull down trees. The trunk is used for drinking. Now, how much water can an elephant suck up with its trunk at one time? Fifteen quarts, which it'll spray into its mouth, or it will throw up on its back. You can drink that much beer, can't you, in one setting, killer? <laughs> Easily. And throw up on someone's back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Elephants have been used in war. Hannibal crossed the Alps with elephants. Here it is. I, I just confirmed it on the internet. Elephants eat between 330 and 375 pounds of vegetation daily. It just doesn't seem like that could add up. It doesn't seem like you could keep the vegetation no. supply. For all enough. the elephants to say there's, and, and they probably. Bit, didn't you just say there's a million elephants running around? And yeah. they probably all live within the same what? Well, that's the problem. See, as their habitat shrinks. They do more damage to the habitat. In other words, as, as they cut down forests, 
elephants have to go in search of food other places, and that's one of the real problems of humans living with elephants in Africa. Okay. Do, you know their, do you know their water intake? Because I have that here, too. No. How much? They require 26 gallons of water daily. So they're hydrated. So if like if they have like a 10-mile run, you know, preparing for the White Rock Marathon or something, they're always hydrated. I bet you it's difficult to not have accidents at night, though. You would think so. I wonder if they wear pull-ups. <laughs> The elephant will use huh. the elephant will use its ears to fan itself to cool itself. Mm-hmm. It will also put its ears out wide when trying to intimidate a predator or a rival. And during breeding season, males give off an odor from a gland be- by their eyes, Gross. and they fan their their face. Is this an odor and- that we would all appreciate, or is this an no, odor that? This is an odor that- not the hippo. Compression shorts all day. The female <laughs> elephants appreciate. Okay? Now, the herd is led by females. Males live solitary lives. They That's live pretty cool. Very, very solitary lives. The See, Sean Bass? Everything. They learn how to cook different meals. Right. You'd be a terrible elephant. <laughs> Some elephants uh, are... Vegetation a- again. 330 pounds, please. <laughs> Some elephants are afflicted with floppy trunk syndrome when they get old. Mm-hmm. They hang their head in the trunk, drags on the ground as they walk. The, the elephant has... Norm. There's a lot of jokes there, but we'll refrain. Elephant has 28 teeth, including the upper tusks. And do you realize elephants are either left trunk, left tusked, or right tusked, like a human being would be left-handed or right-handed. What does that mean? And you can tell which tusk the mean? elephant prefers... Because when you see in an adult elephant, one tr- tusk will be a bit shorter and rounded because he's been doing work with that tusk for years, and it's what? worn down. What kind of work do they do? Like take apart a Dotson, tear down bark, and things like that. Okay, at mating season, it's short. Females are only able to conceive for a few days each year. Hmm. And the cow will separate herself from the herd and choose from some suitors. So she knows her time. <laughs> so it's not unlike people that have you know been trying to have kids for like seven or eight years, and the woman's like Dan, and she's sitting there, and she's like, okay, now, and my temperature's perfect, let's go right now. Well, I'm not really excited right now. You have to go right now. Are the male elephants always ready? You're listening to a live recreation of love in the elephant kingdom. (laughs) It is time right now. You are late. One last. What does that mean? Back to shut up, Dan. Their skin is about an inch thick. Oh dear. And it enables them to survive all sorts of things in life. Uh, Years ago, in the '90s, there was a civil war in Mozambique, Mm -hmm. and people got so impoverished. I think they covered that on a Friends episode. (laughs) <laughs> they they actually, people to survive would shoot elephants and try to live off food, the skin, everything. Well, Kruger National Park, which sits next to Mozambique, actually put up a huge fence to keep their elephants from wandering over to Mozambique. There's a man that works in Kruger Park whose job is nothing to do but track the health of elephants. That's his job because that's huge in Kruger, the biggest national park in the world. He was called because there was a reported death of an elephant. And his job is to always go inspect elephants. He found that this elephant had died almost certainly of old age, that was somewhere in its 50s or early 60s. But he took the elephant back to the Elephant Health Center. And when they x-rayed it, they found in this elephant 
51 bullets. Wow. Whoa. All in the skin? Still in it. That doesn't count the ones that may have hit him and gone through over the years. But were those j- just in the skin, in the, the epidermis? Skin, in the body, in the legs. Oh, somewhere. so they went through. No, they were still in there. Okay. They, the, he, the elephant had 51 bullets still in him. A little like 50 cent. A little. What did he get shot? Nine times? Nine times. You know about 50 cent, Norm? 50 cent? Yeah, he does. Obviously, he does. 50 cent. That's fascinating. Well done, Norman. Thanks, lads. Well That's done. News. We're really late when That's we come back. News. Bob's foray into the stock market. Coming up today, depending on when you're listening, it's the white elephant. I may be done with things as I get on the air at 530 with Norm and Bob, and then it's just whoever and whatever the rest of the day. So have fun with everything today as the white elephant kicks your ass. The unticket. Look at that killer. He made a liner. I'm so proud of myself. It's awesome. 745. Sports Radio 1310, the ticket. It is White Elephant Day. Coming up next, we'll uh, get into a little argument, I believe. Me and Bob versus Norm over many things in life. First off, though, Bob, you told me about this a few weeks ago, and you took the plunge a couple days ago. Tell everybody what you did. Yesterday? Yeah. Yesterday I got online, and I gave my childhood heroes my... uh, my sports obsession in life, the Green Bay Packers, $275 for one share of worthless stock. What does that mean, for real, now that you own a piece of the Packers? It what- doesn't make any sense. When I, when I repeat it back, I, I am ready to admit that it is a colossal waste of money and a ridiculous thing to do unless... And boy, and, uh, there's no nice way to say this, but unless you're a Packer fan, I don't think this would make any sense to you. So I understand the nationwide ridicule that it's receiving. And I understand reading the stories where people are saying the Packers are duping their fans. They're not, but I understand why they would say that. Really what it amounts to. And I don't know if you guys buy this at all, but again, I think you had to grow up with a real sorry football franchise in a area that really shouldn't have NFL football like it does because the baseball team can barely financially survive, the basketball team can barely financially survive, and even though it's a hockey state, no hockey team would ever think of coming to Wisconsin because it doesn't make any financial sense. And yet here is a Green Bay Packer team trying to keep up with the monstrosities of the NFL heavyweights financially, and what it amounts to is they're passing the hat. I thought he was talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars there for a while. Well, well shouldn't be. it be? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't the Green Bay Packers operate exactly like the Jacksonville right. Jaguars? So that's what this is? For real? Ba- they basically pass the hat. So you're just helping out, essentially. And I ask anyone, and it sounds really weird, but then I turn the tables and say, if the Texas Rangers said to you, here's what we need to keep trying to win World Series, would you consider as a fan... Offering them a little cash. If they pass the hat for Cliff Lee, if they pass the hat to keep Dirk, if they pass the hat and say, look, times are tough. We don't have an owner that has some oil wells somewhere that can make, uh, can print his own money. We are owned by, uh, the fans of the Green Bay Packers. And the only way we can do this one of two ways. We can either scrape by like Jacksonville. Or we can try to uh, win Super Bowls. And, How often is the hat passed? How often they open this up? Um, in my lifetime, twice. 19, oh, that's it. Nineteen ninety-seven and yesterday. And how many 
shares did they sell? Is that public? I, well, I think totally, and although there's no way to trace this completely, but totally, well, there is a way, but I don't know what it is. I think they have almost 5 million shares out. At 275. Well, no, that's okay. a lot of them were, were purchased long, long ago oh, okay. and then split and split again. I think they hope to raise between 30 and $60 million from this, and they're going to use that to renovate Lambeau Field. Can you imagine Reiner's opinions about the Rangers if he actually owned a piece of them? I think that's the one thing. I mean, yeah, people, no. you know, this isn't that weird. People donate to their school all the time. Yeah. I think it's a great idea, and I don't understand why more teams don't do it. Like, Because it be? it's impossible with a really, really, really rich owner, it's impossible with Jerry Jones to turn around and say to the fans, I'm going to charge you $340 for a 50-yard line seat, yeah. and could you donate to the team? But i got to tell you, if, it, if, like, if it's the Mavericks right now and they say, Cuban, I know Cuban's worth billions of dollars, but if he said it would really help out in signing Tyson Chandler if we could just – throw this thing around and you know I spend so much money on the luxury tax and it's going to get even higher and I'm I'm flipping the bill for all this 250 bucks how many people would sign up instantly I'm one yeah I'm in well and the funny thing is it people are writing that they're duping their fans but again the fans I think and I'm not speaking for all of them and I know there are probably trillions of packer fans that don't have the ability to uh, throw money in the hat but seriously if you just look at the financial realities of small market teams in any sport, even big market teams compared to Green Bay, the Pittsburgh Pirates have such a larger market than the uh, Green Bay Packers, and yet the Packers are trying to win Super Bowls. Uh, obviously, it helps to have a stock sale the next year. But I, I honestly, Did they have the stock sale after their Super Bowl last year? Yeah, okay, yeah. so they're, all right. they're smart. Yeah, This isn't a coincidence. Do you get a stock certificate? Yes. Does it entitle you to anything? Uh, voting rights, which are extremely marginal, and the ability to say we. Uh, right? You can never say we unless and, you're part owner, right? And it supports the tattoo on the shoulder, doesn't it? I think if you're going to do one, you have to do the other, don't you? Yeah, I think you do, too. It, 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 my, I was t- saying this to my wife. like She was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, only one thing. And then she said, well, what? Uh, we can you know, certainly make that happen. Well... I want to buy a share of stock in uh, the Green Bay Packers. And she's like, well, what does that do? Uh, Really nothing. I get to put it on the wall. It's like, that sounds like a real waste of money. Well, to you it might be. To me, for some weird reason, I feel like I'm helping out my little guys. Sure. And you say people donate to schools all the time. Yeah. You you don't think anything of throwing 10 grand at a college. I I threw back some some dough to... A little bit, you know. Not ten grand, but no, there, there are mean, many people that sit in really good seats in Norman that do send ten grand a year. Probably. Sure, yeah. I mean, you you help out whatever. So it, it is. I think it's completely akin to that, but it just sounds weird because typically these pro teams are owned by guys wearing cowboy hats that that crank out money out of their oil wells. It's a rare treat for a city of basically the size of Louisville to have an NFL team, and not only that, but an NFL team that competes hard. And they can't keep up with a stadium like the one in Arlington mm-hmm. unless they cut corners some way. And the only way to cut corners is to pass the hat around. And everyone says, you know what? That's fine. That makes sense. That That's actually something we're willing to do if you're willing to try to keep your players and try to keep competing and not tell us how poor you are all the time. Yeah, We're willing to throw money in the hat. And it's I, I'm not sure it would work in a lot of places, but... To, to me, it makes all the sense in the world. Maybe this is what they need to turn the team around, too. Right? 
Yeah. This will really help. That talent, <laughs> that talent shy straggler you're watching every Sunday, you ought to spend, forget expanding the stadium, you ought to spend some money on some talent. But, there, wouldn't, but wouldn't they, and not, by the way, not only can they afford to pay players, but they've actually made it somewhat of a destination point where it isn't like in the NBA where Aaron Rodgers can't wait to become a free agent so he can finally go yeah, to a big market. It's, it's a like good he bit. actually says... I could see being here my whole career. They got a good Clay Matthew. Yeah, I mean, you know, so it's a weird bit, but I think you had to like when I was born in 1972 until 1995 or 1994. They never made the playoffs in my lifetime except the bogus 82 strike year, and so if to see this happening, it's worth 250 to me. In fact, you know what? If they said we need 250 every year. Of I'm course. In. I'm in. Yeah. Let me tell you something, Corby. There's no place in the world like Lambeau. It is church. I'm telling you, it is church. This whole area, it's... I, the first time I ever went to Lambeau, very last quick story. First time I ever went, ever went to Lambeau, I was taken by a Packer fan who used to have tickets for a long time before he moved down here. I said, what time do you want to get there? He said, well, it's a noon start. Let's get there about 7.30 for the tailgating. We get there at 7.30, turn off the highway on Lombardi Avenue, and there's no traffic. And I said to my friend, Jim, where is everybody? He said, I, I, I don't know. They were already there. Yeah. The parking lots were filled. The exposition center, the band had started playing. The beer was it's flowing. It's very cultish. It's very cultish. Maybe that's why I like Aggieland so much, because it does remind me of home a little bit. Because Without the winds. Eh, we've had our slim times, too. <laughs> <laughs> All we, right. We. Right, See? yeah, you can say it. I'm fine with that. Do you play for him? No, I own him. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up next, Bob and Corby take on Norm. The Unticket. All right, I, I'll go again. Uh oh. Eight oh four on Sports Radio thirteen ten. The ticket, White Elephant. This Day. is tense. Let's right. make this a very quick segment. Even though there's probably a lot here, because we have a big segment coming up concerning uh, Bob and um, his new... More me. Yeah. Really? His new little boy mm-hmm. that uh, is fresh to the United States by now, what, eight weeks? We're coming up on the 100-day anniversary of us taking custody, and probably about 60 days of him being in the States. Okay. So, so I was right. Yeah. Eight weeks. I could have just said yes, huh? Yeah. Um, But first, of course, the big controversy Sunday night was the BCS, that LSU and Alabama get to replay each other. Oklahoma State left on the outside looking in. I know your stance on this, Norm, that you would probably like to see Oklahoma State get a shot. Well, I think the best two teams in the country are LSU and Alabama. I understand Oklahoma State's argument. And I, Bob does okay. So wow, doesn't sound like we have an argument then. No, it's eight oh four on the ticket, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I think we're okay. We're all in the same boat then. Al- Alabama and LSU, we think, are the best teams, but the system's so flawed. Yes, the system's flawed. But did it get it wrong this year? Is the question? No. Okay. No. Well, then we don't have an argument because, well, but to me. Ever, and I've received, boy, the worst thing you can do is take on a Big 12 team or a Big 12 case in this city. You want the college. Oh, no. it's, yes, I know. It's, it's, it's a very, 
It's a very loyal area, and they are all convinced at Oklahoma State, by virtue of the fact that they have more wins over ranked teams or something like that, that they belong in. And Alabama already had its turn. We hear that. And the game sucked, and we've heard that. But really, if the effort is to get the two best teams to play each other, then on the basis of that's what we want, then I think it worked this year, however flawed it is. Alabama could have lost to a very mediocre team. They could have lost to Vandy or somebody like that. They didn't. They lost to clearly the best team in America. Yes, clearly. Points. Clearly. And Oklahoma State lost to a, no offense to Iowa State, they lost to a mutt. Yep. And uh, a mutt that has lost six times by more than 20 points on several occasions by more than 30 points. And has... They lost to Missouri 52-17. And has five moderate wins in Oklahoma State. All right, so let me ask you guys this. We can go to break after this. And I brought this up yesterday. Let's just say that uh, on... And this is kind of what bothers me, is that this seemed pretty predetermined as far as Oklahoma State goes. Like, I think if LSU would have lost to Georgia, we still would have seen LSU and Alabama play. I agree. That no matter what Oklahoma State did to OU on, on Saturday night, it was all going to happen. It was all going to come down to this. But let's say the roles were reversed for Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Let's say Oklahoma was doing the hunting. They were number three in the country. Mm. And they go out and demolish Oklahoma State. Interesting question. Or te- let's say it was Texas, too, at number three. See, I, that I, basically I, remove Oklahoma State. But they still State. lost to Iowa State? Yes, but it's Oklahoma and Texas. Somebody yeah, with a big mother reputation. Yes. Okay. What I what I, I wouldn't change unless you're. No, ta- I'm not uh, saying is Alabama. Now, can we call them Mississippi State? No, 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 no. I'm, okay, no, they're no, still no. Alabama. No, I'm saying I'm not saying that I would change. I'm saying the Harris Poll people. I'm saying the coaches because it's a newcomer in Oklahoma no, State. No, and to your point, Alabama's operating under that same unfair advantage if, if mississippi state went 11 and 1 and their only loss was to lsu and oklahoma's over here and their only loss is to iowa state we'd probably be saying oklahoma yeah. deserves it yeah yeah that's I mean, reputation I, I, that's yeah. that's sad and strong but it's true yeah and i think i don't think that it actually probably would have come it would have been a lot closer i think put it that way like i don't think it would have been predetermined well i I think there are some flaws in this system, significant flaws. And I thought Tim Collishaw's article this morning was incredible. How in the world is Nick Saban allowed to vote in a poll that determines who goes to the national championship? <laughs> right. How does he have a vote and Mike Gundy doesn't? Well, I How, think that Mike Gundy took his name out of it, right? Can't well, you? Well, why at this point, why don't you just say to Saban, I'm sorry. You are involved in this. The Stanford coach is involved in this. The Oklahoma State coach is involved in this. The Oregon coach is involved in this. You had a vote, but it doesn't exist anymore. It's kind of like, you know, when we have these auctions for our, or lottery t- or whatever, we have these drawings for people to come up and tour the station. It's like me winning, me putting my name in there. Well, I get to sit in with Norm for two hours? Okay, sorry, buddy, you didn't get to do that, but, you know, I put my name in the hat, so then, I'm eligible. Then you see the human polls like Harris... And one guy has Oklahoma State sixth behind Houston. Yeah. Behind Houston. I mean, Houston's had a fine season. But let's not compare those two. Sure. Systems broke. Systems broke. But one versus two is proper. Yeah, and I am looking forward to the game. I would have been looking forward to it if it was Oklahoma State, too, just to see. But I think they got it right. If you're Oklahoma State, what are you cheering for? You're cheering for a nine to six Alabama. You're cheering win. for the best year in your school history. That's what I was telling Killer at the end of the game the other night. 
Dude, you've never won the conference. Ever. Ever. Not this conference, but the Big 8, anything. You've never won it before. And now you're go- you won the conference. You have Heisman caliber uh, people at wide receiver and, and quarterback. And, and you're going to play in a BCS Bowl and you're getting $14 million and you're playing a huge game against Stanford. That's an awesome year. Have fun. My, I'm cheering for my team, number one. And then I'm cheering for LSU to obliterate Alabama so that I can raise my glass up and say, see. Well, how about the story? Wrong. No, that's true, yeah. Yeah, I know we got to go. But how about the story at the Big 12 vetoed the, the, the and one game? Mm-hmm. This was the Big 12 didn't want this. The SEC wanted the and one. They wanted four teams. I didn't know that. Yeah. That was the report that they got direct quotes from uh, Dan Beebe saying, Big 12 is uh, quite pleased with how we reason. How we, this was uh, the fall or the summer of 08 or 09. The SEC is proposing this because 04 Auburn got screwed. Yep. And uh, they're proposing a way to fix this with an and one game. And the Big 12 said, nah, we're good with one versus two. They said awesome. it. All right. Coming up next, we uh, pick Bob's brain and see how his new little guy is doing adjusting to America. Next. The Unticket. Coming up next, it is 840-Bit, hosted by me with a bit. Stay tuned for that. Now, though, Bob Sturm hey now. welcomed in a, uh, a new kiddo. As we all know, you travel down to Honduras for almost two months to finalize the adoption process of your new young lad, Justin. Yes. Five? He is five, yes. Five years old. Mm-hmm. You got yourself a kindergartner so to speak, a kid that grew up in a hardcore Honduran orphanage who has had to fight and scrap and claw for every single thing probably his entire life. He moves to the United States Uh in a home with a very solid family, a great father figure, a great mother figure, two wonderful kids, and everything suddenly is right there for him. I cannot imagine what this kid has gone through and how he sees life differently now. Yeah, and what's weird, of course, is, first of all, five-year-olds aren't really good at articulating that sort of thing. And then, on top of that, a five-year-old who is now speaking some hybrid of English and Spanish at the same time, Spanglish is is certainly in play right now. Sounds like Ozzy Ginga. (laughs) <laughs> Perhaps if you want sports tie in, there's one. He's uh he's a great little guy. Great little guy, always happy. And uh now instead of saying Tango hambre, which means I'm hungry, or saying I'm hungry, he will now say Tango hungry and uh, get one word from each each language and that's pretty much how he rolls now. Still sounds like how's he can. But uh what's funny is how when he arrived and uh, you certainly don't want to make light about a dude, a little guy having five homes in five years, and in some of those having the uh, little soldier kind of worked in, you know, the the orphanage or the foster sure. home or whatever he was in, you know, they would have uh, things he'd have to do, like, uh, you know, just clean up your stuff, right? Even mm-hmm. at a really young age, little soldiers, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you're going to have to do A, B, and C or uh, no uh, no gruel for, uh, for lunch or right. whatever, whatever the rule was, you know? And so when he first got to our house... He was way, way better. 
at cleaning up his stuff than any of the other kids. Uh, Does he have his own Brett. room, or is he sharing a room with we, Brett? We or? thought it'd be best if he shared a room with Brett. Okay. So, you know, that comes with its with its own set of challenges. Sure. But what's really funny is the first month or so, you know, he would always have his two shoes right next to each other, or his clothes would go right to the dirty clothes, or his toys would be picked up. And meanwhile, our our American children, who... Whatever, Dad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of already in whatever mode. <laughs> And it was this question of which which would influence the other. Yeah. And now uh, he's working his way to be an American slacker, just like the other two. It's so, taken uh, 60 days. Yeah, he's, he's already breaking out of his mold of picking up his stuff or, you know, taking his dishes to the counter. And now he's uh, he's learning the American way. It's it's really weird because there are so many things that are different for for a little boy from Honduras who's now living in in Louisville, and you know, just explaining the concept of Halloween to him was weird. Oh know? my God! You, you, I get candy if yeah. I just walk around and then the in concept, a costume. The concept of Thanksgiving, the concept of foods he's never tried before. Now he knows Christmas. What, what kind of weight is? Because he was a scrawny kid, oh, right? He's, How he's, much? He's still tiny. He's. Uh, uh, is he put on weight though? In two months' time? Uh, I don't believe so. Now, one of the jobs was to get rid of any little creatures that might have been living inside his digestive sure. tract. So we we've, we got that cleared up in the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. So now, and which is which is not uncommon. Just mm-hmm. you know, not to stereotype an entire part of the world, but it's not uncommon to have parasites if uh, you live down there, regardless of your financial class or your society you know you might have been really upper class down there but yeah. you still got you still got worms you or, might catch one on a vacation yeah yeah you know? absolutely that's not weird at all to uh have a little produce or a banana down there or something and the next thing you know you got sure little dudes swimming around inside you eating all your food so you never gain weight so bananas? yeah uh sure. bananas have peels so all maybe right. i should have gone with like a uh Pear, apple. A, a mango a mango. There. How's that? There's a real Central American fruit. So as far as him, the freak out factor, what has blown him away the most? Like, was he awed by American television? Was he instantly, like, just think, wide-eyed? And I think it's possible the star power media room might have... Uh... <laughs> Might have been slightly different from that which he was accustomed to. Does he like Breaking Bad? <laughs> he doesn't watch Breaking Bad. But uh, now he's been introduced to Blu-ray players and swimming pools, and we've we've ruined him. We've, Dad, uh... what's crystal meth? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you, you think about this, and I was talking to you about this off the air, about how perspective-wise there's very little to when you just throw a kid in a situation like this where suddenly he goes from having nothing, including parents and supervision and siblings and all that to to kind of i'm not saying your household is a model household but it's whatever every <laughs> it's, every family aspires to be you know I, I i don't know uh we 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 have our issues but yeah it's a very stable house we uh we all gather around the dinner table like uh like norman rockwell would want us to yeah. i suppose and so you're taking him to church yeah how is he? Is he like what? Did, what's going on here? In fact, this week was the first time we set him loose with kids his age, like uh, you know, little their little Sunday school class, as opposed to sin with mom and dad. Which, yeah, which you know, he's he's a little kid. Little kids are wiggle worms. They don't want to sit still during uh, church or anything like that. So you got that. You got you know the fact that. <sighs> Well, when we were on the roof, we had a uh, hotel that uh, did not have many of our finer amenities down there in Tegucigalpa. One of them was a cool rooftop patio, like on the fifth floor. 
and uh, you know you could actually see over and see the streets of Tegucigalpa, and uh, and he very early on, and I don't know if you learned this at the orphanage or if this is just normal for little kids. But it's the say whatever comes to your mind bit. Like somehow we teach our kids not to point out when someone looks really strange at, yeah. a, at a young age. Like somehow we cover that. I don't know what age we cover that with our biological kids, but we just do. It never got covered for him. So we're just standing up there one day all looking down at the street and he sees what he perceives to be a fat lady. Huh. And he's like, Gorda! You know, and, and, <laughs> and she looks up and now we're all looking down at her and he's just called her fat down on the street. And, you know, it's so... It's uh, it was really awkward. So now, as we teach him English, we're also trying to teach things you can and can't say in yeah. public. Because black guy, <laughs> yeah, it's like they you call know, me Gordo on the street. So there's 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 a few things we're working through, and he doesn't want to try new foods. And then once he does, he's uh, he's quick to report to us that what's his favorite food that he hadn't had before like chicken nuggets or something stereotypical kid mac and cheese or well yeah i see i think i think those were i think chicken nuggets were what he was real familiar with okay okay so uh there's fast food down there oh gosh there's so much fast food down there in fact there's you could argue way too much fast food down there based on uh, sally fixing beef wellington or chicken cordon bleu tonight that'll be different to her oh well she'll she'll roll out she'll roll out a soup or something and he will be like no quiero, no quiero. <laughs> We're like, just try it, Justin, just try it. And then, you know, he'll try it, and sometimes he'll still reiterate no quiero, but uh, but other times he'll, he'll oh, bueno, bueno, you know, so. so he's it, a five-year-old. He's Yeah, he's five, <laughs> and he's also trying to learn English real fast, and I think we're going to start him out in kindergarten in January and uh, just, just get going. But uh, he's great kid, just happy as can be, and really the biggest adjustments for Brett. You know, because now you got to share a room with a, another little guy who's all up in your business. And Brett's is he in first grade? Brett's now seven. Yeah, he's in first grade, and you know he's he's a good kid too. But now he's all of us welcome Justin into our home, but we all have our own bedrooms. You know, whereas yeah, Brett, yeah. whereas Brett's you know lower and upper bunk. So it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's 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 really really cool. But yet I go to work every day, and Sally's uh, you know sitting at the kitchen table teaching him how to count and teaching right. him what his colors are and teaching you know just all those things. So she's working. My wife's really putting that education degree to work uh, since she she also got her MRS degree. I don't know if you guys know about that, but. Oh, dear. Uh, I'm just kidding. Come on. She, she does a ton, but now she's teaching again at the kitchen table. And I wonder, before we wrap this up, I wonder how much he'll remember of Honduras. Because th- my contention is I remember very little of kindergarten. Like, just, you know, little flashes here yeah. and there. Yeah. You wonder how much of his former life, when he's 20 years old, he's going to be like, man, nothing. And yeah, was, I don't know. And, and you know... It, I mean, they, te- they they tell you, and there's so many theories on adoption, in fact... Everything we thought we knew in the 80s, we've gone total opposite on. Because back in the 80s, you would meet kids in school that were adopted, but they just found out like at 15, and you know you don't tell them about it. And you, you kind of well now it's now they teach you to be real upfront and yeah. to have pictures of where they were and their former family, or you know I guess whatever you call it. And and now you know you just show the you, you, nothing's being hid, and that's that's kind of. Not totally true because there are details you don't want to share with him till he's old enough to handle them, of course. But uh, but you have pictures of him along the way, so he doesn't wake up one morning and freak out that you know he wasn't born in our house, right? You know, it's 
It's fun. I mean, we're ha- obviously we're we're quite thrilled that it's worked out so well. Good for you. He's a good little guy. It is eight thirty-two here on the ticket. Coming up next, it is the eight forty bit. I don't want to oversell it, but please join us. The unticket forty-two White Elephant Day. The ticket. We are here. It is funny bit time, mm. and um, so we're going to oblige now. First off. Uh, we have our good friend TC in here who had a very unfortunate incident earlier this morning. TC brought us tacos, leave them alone, from the taco joint, which is very kind. Mm. On the way up here, TC, what happened to you? Uh, I was on uh, I was on Lemon. Yeah. And um, it was really early, really early. And um, I hit a patch of ice. Yeah. Which uh, whenever you come in at like noon doesn't happen as much and um <laughs> caused me to skid a little bit and so uh, i think what you're the the one thing you're supposed to absolutely not do in that situation is break um so i broke mm-hmm. I, I hit hit the brakes did you break did you break on time uh yeah always <laughs> just wondering i've been taught that's the key to success um <laughs> so uh the the car behind me then um so i i Made my way out of it. it. It wasn't like a big patch of ice or anything, and I was stable and driving down the road. And then the car behind me hit me. So I don't know if uh, I don't know if he was just wasn't prepared for me to stop, or if he also hit the ice and then skidded into the back of my car or something. Um, Were you looking he, for an answer that long, uh, Corby? Not really. You got rear-ended this morning, right? Yeah, you Bad saw dam- the Mustang, right? Yeah. Bad damage yeah. to the car. Um, yeah, no, the, the back bumper is probably going to need to be replaced. There's like a crunch near the wheel well, which will probably oh, no. be the real expensive. And the kicker is, as you pulled over, as the guy signaled you to turn yeah, so you yeah, can swap there's, insurance. Yeah, side street, so he's, he points for me to turn down the side street, and then he just keeps going straight. So you turn, he took off. Yeah, now, I hate that. Well, yeah, has that ever, ha- I mean, it's never happened to me. No, I just hate that it happens to Chuck so much. Bad things. I swear, this, we yeah. were just talking about this like a week ago. It might have been a month ago, but we just had another incident like this, didn't we? Yeah. No. There's like, like Tommy Daniels. Five of them this year left his no. blessings to you. So this is on the heels of what we found out happened to you yesterday when uh, the boss called. You want to yeah. tell everybody what happened there? I, I don't know. I mean, he was he was calling to tell me uh, so that so that I wouldn't hear it via rumor. So uh-huh. I don't think that he I'm really helping his cause if I spread rumors by repeating it. But uh, right, uh, they were just letting me know that we we got a we got a real crunch with uh, parking passes and building passes at the new place as to how right. many they can hand out. And uh, so that, you're not. He basically called to tell you that you're not going to be allowed to park on premises or you're not going to have an access card to get into our building. How are you supposed you to get into the building? think uh whenever i show up during the week there'll be a nice receptionist and uh, on the weekends uh, i can you know call kevin or whoever is working before me and they have to let you in in a nice break yeah <laughs> whenever they're not running the board they can run down to the door oh tc down the elevator and oh no how did saroy arrange for my intern to get an entrance key you know his interns are allowed in there they have an access card <laughs> that I was really told we could get one for you know intern. that uh, if if I had to put bets on what's going to happen, I'd, I'd I'd be surprised if it worked out that way, wouldn't you? Well, they what, have that, one that the intern the inter- gets... his interns have a building access. Well, there was there already? was a time when I thought I no, was no, going to be we're, allowed we're, into we're build work already. One, no, we're... Yeah, but I mean, you know, when you have it in your hand, call me back. All right. 
Ooh. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. So cocky. Wow. All right. Um, I'm going to read you an email that I wrote to our boss, Jeff Catlin. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Jeff, here are my ideas for a prank on TC. Oh, God. <laughs> I almost feel relief that this was... Uh... See? In the end, it makes you happy, right? Yeah. I feel all sorts of relief. God. Parking. We only have a certain amount of parking, and unfortunately, you didn't make the cut for a parking pass. Tell them there is metered parking that is typically open by Hooters. <laughs> yep, yep. But since that is a good quarter mile away, be sure and wear a coat because it will be really cold. Or he can park in the daily lot over by the House of Blues, which is 7 to $10 a day. Maybe say Cumulus will pick up one day a week of the expense, but the other 28 bucks is on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. what he told you, isn't it? Yep. Maybe he should consider a ride share with Dan or Bob. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was an amusing suggestion. Or encourage him to ride a bike or take dart. Love to hear him talk about that. <laughs> Building access. Again, there were only oh so many building God. access cards to hand out, and since TC doesn't have a real shift, he didn't make the cut once again. It came down between him and the overnight weekend board op, and you figured that the board op had more of a reason to be up here, so TC lost out. Yeah. He'll have to contact security guards every time he is in the building and have them escort him up. He'll also have to wear a name tag if security brings him up. Any other nut kicks you can think of would be great. Thanks, man. <sighs> Jeff Catlin, response. Sounds great. Don't worry. I got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Boy, you should have seen TC yesterday. So defeated as he waddles in here. I mean, who wouldn't be? <laughs> I know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for your perusement, here is Jeff Catlin, our boss, calling TC oh, boy. to let him in on this little building prank. Here yet? No, uh, I have the top ten. So oh, okay. All right, good. No problem. That's fine. I'm glad I called you. Look. I'm trying to get to the bottom of the parking situation over at Victory. So the deal is, is there's parking being assigned to all the full-time employees first. And then if, if there's times, for example, if an employee only works 8.30 to 5 and then someone like Donnie Henry works overnights and can park in that spot after 5.30 and is gone by 8, well, that can be shared parking. But the thing is, is not every person is going to have ability to park down there at the building and a lot of the part-timers are going to be the ones at first that are going to be initially left out of being able to park okay so <laughs> i don't know if you've investigated other alternatives but you're going to be one of the guys initially that's not going to have parking access in any of the garages down there so have you investigated other alternatives by that point like he's assuming that you knew this already and that you were already on the case to scout out other locations no, no, I, I hadn't scouted out, but I, I have. You since considered then. a monthly pass on the Green Line. <laughs> so I figured out what the bus One, route would be from my house. There's parking down there by Hooters that's on a meter. <laughs> by Hooters. And what do you think at this that's, point? That's not even remotely close. No, to it's where really we not. Are. What is that? A half mile? Yeah. Hooters <laughs> metered parking by Hooters. Have you, have you looked at the DART website? Because also the DART train goes right down there. It's about 150 yards from the back door of the building. Okay, so, so I'm going to be scheduled for shifts that I won't be able to park at my office to work? 
Yeah, unfortunately, that's how it is, not just with you, but a lot of our part-time employees for all six of the radio stations were running into that situation, yes. And how long will this go on for? Well, as of right now, <laughs> we're not sure. Dan Bennett is trying to work with a leasing company there, the, the uh, landlord of the property, to try and get more parking access. The other issue we're running into is like tonight. There's a concert down there. Well, we can't access any of our parking after 6 o'clock tonight because it's an event night. So... Like whenever I work Stars games, like a Stars home game, what would, what would the situation be then? That's a great question. I, I don't know. How Jason Garrett is that? <laughs> yeah. I wish I had a great answer for you. That definitely occurred to me at the time. That's I don't a, have a great uh, answer for you on that. Yeah. That's a great one. I, I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you. But I know darts an op option. The other thing is, is there is a parking lot when I down the street by House of Blues, but it's seven bucks a day. And I'm working with Cumulus to try and get people reimbursed if they park down there. And as of right now, they're saying they couldn't reimburse it for a total week. So if you had to park down there five days a week, it'd be thirty-five bucks. They're saying they might be able to reimburse one day. Okay. <laughs> I kept on. You're accepting this. Well, I kept on you were looking for the question, you know. Well, I mean, thirty-five dollars a, a week. You have to pay to park. Okay. And and I mean, and, I... and trust me, this man came in with a lot more piss and oh, vinegar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once once you know he wasn't on the phone with his oh, boss. No he question. came in like, oh my god, you're not going to believe what I have to do here. I got to park at Hooters on a meter. And you basically lose money working that shift. <laughs> right. Paid for parking. Right. You're down three dollars every day. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to. Well, I'm letting, <laughs> what, where are you going there? You're just letting me know this. Oh well, I mean, like I said, I kept on waiting for like the question. Like he was calling me, and he would say something, and then and then there would be a pause. He and wanted it, you to respond. Yeah, but I mean, there's he's not asking me anything. So. Well, he's telling you. Yeah, you so. don't have any. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Thir I mean, this is a ridiculous company. I agree, but thirty five dollars a week. They're going to pick up station. one day. One day. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, I guess. This is bad. Yeah. This is bad. And everybody know because we have about a month to move, and I just want people to, for a couple of reasons. One, yeah, for planning. You need to plan and understand what's going to be happening when we go down there. But number two, I want you to hear this stuff from me rather than a bunch of misinformation and scuttlebutt that's going on the hall around the halls of, hey, did you hear this or who's parking where or who's parking this way. All right. I, I appreciate that. Um, I don't know, maybe if you thought about doing a ride share with Dan or Donnie or trying to coordinate with, I don't know, when Groups comes in in the morning or something, just so you guys, not, I mean, Bob and Dan and Donovan obviously are going to have parking down there. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's a full-timer. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, then then the other <laughs> thing, I'm, who would you call first, <laughs> no. Bob, Dan, or Donovan? Well, I'm just, I, that's why I asked about Groups, because he's the only one who's kind of on the way. But then he doesn't leave till seven. It was gonna be. It was gonna be a. But real he has platinum room. parking and use of a suite at the AC anytime he wants. <laughs> All right, I tell you what, we're up against it here. Let's finish this up on the other side because we got to still get to TC not being allowed in his own building next. The unticket. That's right. We're all here still for another hour before Gordon takes over and does Norm's shift. White Elephant. Wednesday here on the ticket. We're in the middle of a uh, good old fa fashioned prank. TC Fleming joins us. TC, 
We are moving um, to our new building here. The salespeople have already moved. We'll be moving officially, the broadcast folks, after the new year on the 7th. We're filling out all these uh, forms here, key requests, FOB requests for parking access, for building access. Well, had the idea of our boss calling TC, who's already kind of got an attitude about where his place is around here. Right. And the boss basically told him... Shut up. The the boss basically told him, first off, look, sorry, you're not going to get a parking pass. And you're going to have to park either at a meter joint on Hooter, in in front of Hooters, or at a pay lot. But Cumulus will pick up one day a week. The other 35 bucks are on you. (laughs) Or just figure out a way to get to the station on your own. Ride share, bike, dart, whatever it may be. And I don't know what was going through your head at that point. But then... The Bears... (laughs) <laughs> Twice Cat tried to turn him on to dart. Golden Tate, Golden Tate, Golden Tate, Golden... That's all, it's just a Golden Tate <laughs> hamster wheel. Did you see that touchdown catch yet? I that did. something. It was awesome. So, then Cat starts to get into actual access to the building, because there's two separate keys. Mm-hmm. Key to the parking garage, which you will not have, and then a separate key to get into the building in which you work. To which he informs you that, sorry, little buddy, that's probably not going to happen. Oh, man. Um, you know, then then the other thing I was talking about doing is building access. Uh-huh. Because the company, the land leasing company down there, they're just being real pains about who has building access. And so Dan and I are trying, Bennett, are trying to explain to them, look, it's not, this is not IBM. This is not some generic business company here. We have people that work in these radio stations 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have a lot of people that come in here to work. Yeah. Um, so, you know where this is going? Like, did you know at the time that you were getting ready to be denied access into your own building? No, no, no. I don't, I, I don't think know it was what I was thinking. What I'm looking at there is trying to get everybody building access cards, but again, the part-time people—I mean, the part-time people are not going to get it until all the full-time people have been accounted for. And again, this is not just Ticket TC. This is all six radio stations, and we're all going to the same spot. Sure. So I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Whatever. Of course. <laughs> just being an agreeable. Of course, guy. I know this. Of course, Team boss. Player. I'm all about the company. And I have to I get guys like Donnie here. Howard taken care of. Um, you know, and our full-time people. He keeps mentioning, too, the overnight board op, trying to, I think, <laughs> stick it in your craw a little bit. Like, just letting you know that a little more important than you are, big guy. <laughs> people first, and then, you know, we'll work on getting you an access card, too. So I think, you know, when you start going down there, it'll kind of be like, you know, having to call into the, to the office and having someone let you in the door. Okay. Okay. So... Now, again, he's expecting some sort of retort. You're just like, well, okay, I mean, I guess I don't have access to my own building. Fine with me. Are you stewing inside at this point? It makes sense. You have to be. Dude, he was up here all day talking about it. Yeah, no, I felt felt this was a great injustice, but I I didn't think I was going to make any headway by telling, you know, I I knew that it it, was... What's telling us going to accomplish? Stand up to him. 
Don't allow yourself to be he buffaloed. He was scared to death to say anything to him. Okay, well, this, this sounds is great finally your chance to put Cat in his place. No, I, I don't get chances. This was to... your big moment. It was. No. He's down there laughing his ass off. He's been Meanwhile, you're you over down there for stealing. how long? Yeah. Here's your chance. He's been uh, providing me with uh, wonderful opportunities to work at a station I love. Oh, I see. Now the mics are on. Here we go. as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. At this point, are you just happy you've got a job? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, okay. that was the okay. only thing I was thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get to what TC did after this. Here's the end. You know, we'll work on getting you an access card too. So I think you know when you start going down there, it'll kind of be like you know having to call into the to the office and having someone let you in the door. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Appreciate letting me know. All right, well, cool. Then I'll, I'll let you know how it's all shaking out here as we get a little bit. Like, he's so taken aback by the fact that you're just so non-confrontational. He calls me immediately afterwards. He was like, dude, I think he sniffed this out because it was like he didn't even care. And I'm like, well. That's him. I, yeah, I go, the, first off, yeah, that is TC. Secondly, if he did sniff it out, I go, we'll be able to tell because he'll talk to people up here for sure. Yeah. And sh- I wasn't up here for Nailed thirty that. for thirty seconds before I hear, hey, you know I'm not being allowed in the building. <laughs> <laughs> like, now, why why was this necessary? Was this last white elephant when uh, when you made Corby so angry? No, it was, uh, Gordon was on vacation this summer, and I filled in for Gordon one day. And I thought the rather harmless and frankly underrated prank that you had kind of fun for everyone right? i thought it was fun for everyone well is this not fun for everyone no at, it was at least, at least on, in no, the, just... on on the flip side he's happy because it's fake yes it's not it's not real or anything Whereas your it's... kids were really awake right awake. My, my kids were staring at me <laughs> what are we doing up at two in the morning your wife is pissed <laughs> so yeah, yeah. teddy bear by one arm so all right <laughs> if your reports of how much that day for you was ruined were accurate i i think that you did do a good job of uh returning it in, in full measure. of ruining your day yeah, well here's what here's the bad here's the bad thing is that Raven, or one right, of the Kobe? bad things is that if you <laughs> Is that if you were, if you did sniff it out, you know, like I said, we would have known about this. Yeah. And so I told Jeff, I go, well, here's the deal. If he, if he thinks this is a bit, then let's just carry it out all the way for one <laughs> month and let him park at Hooters and let him call up for like a week or 10 days. And then, so he'll, he'll think it's real, and then we'll break it to him. I that would have been a real jerk move. Well, yeah, but I was willing to carry it out just for the sake of the bit. It would have been real jerk if you're paying $35 a week to park at House of Blues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's what TC did. Here's what TC did. TC Got his was coat on, and he's walking through the cold wind. <laughs> this is cold, golden tape. Um, <laughs> so here's what TC did. TC took to Twitter. Now, he tried to nip this in the bud quickly because he was not going to park at Hooters. He was not going to pay $35 a week. You took to Twitter Ingenuity, and, man. and said what? I uh, said I asked if anyone uh, lived near the AAC. <laughs> Thought maybe I could get in one of those uh, apartment parking lots nearby. He basically was contacting the W Hotel and residences over there to see if he could poach on their parking. They got some guest hey, spots. Maybe hey, uh, you get the access code. Hey, dude, let me tell you something. Take the seven dollars a day. I don't think the W is less than seven dollars a no. day. Maybe just yeah. guess seven dollars a you minute. Know someone there that'll let you in, then it's free. <laughs> and what kind of headway like a, did you make? Like a big TC fan. I, uh, I got a guy who lives there. I sent an email, and then uh, never heard a word. About him. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he was keen on what I was selling. Well, cheer up, buddy. 
Look, now you got parking access. Your car may be trashed, but at least you can park it somewhere. <laughs> and and you're allowed in the building that you work. How about that? Yeah. You're not some pariah. Moving Moving up. Name tag. Moving and, up. And you still have a job, PC. Right. There you go, pal. Right. Moving up in the world, my good man. <laughs> I'm just glad this prank ended without like uh, any of my family members dying or like a... Uh, oh, wait, there's more. A family pet home. <laughs> <laughs> I would like you to now meet the man who rear-ended you this morning. It is my brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have anything on that. All right, good fun. Coming up next, it is Bob's Corner. Something like that. It's the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. How do we celebrate it at the ticket? Jokes. The Unticket. Walked on memory lane there, wasn't it? That's awesome. This is uh, Bob's Corner, brought to us by Dallas Dodge. Thank you, Norm. Now, for this, we may require some snakes, so sorry about your next ticker, Snake. But we have Sean, we have Norm. And, gentlemen, today is the 70th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. The day that launched us into World War II. And uh, so many Americans lost their life as uh, the Japanese attack pulled us in and made us a part of the big one, Norm. Now, you just missed this, didn't you? Just. No, wait a minute. 70 years? Yeah, I guess I just did miss it. When were you born? I'm 44. What month of 44? July. Oh, wow. Yeah. A little post-D-Day, huh? Just a little post-D-Day, yeah. Yeah. So Norm, a World War II baby, mm-hmm. and uh, World War or Pearl Harbor means so much. And uh, Ben Affleck made did such a fine job of uh, recreating a love story right in the middle of Pearl Harbor. He did. I don't know. He really didn't. But here at the ticket, Pearl Harbor has come to mean other things. Over the course of time, we have had people like uh, Corby Davidson mm-hmm. tribute. Woohoo! Pearl Harbor. <laughs> That's a really short tribute. Yeah, that was your recreation of the Pearl Harbor tribute. We also have, uh, well, let's see, we have uh, Barry Switzer. They Pearl Harbor you. They jack you. No. Okay. We had Mm. Bill Parcells. You know, I got two guys, Sean Payton and Mike Zimmer. You got to keep an eye on those two. Because they're going to try to get the upper hand on. Mike wants the defense to do well. And Sean, he's going to have a few... No disrespect to the Orientals, but what we call Jap plays, okay, oh surprise things, and uh, can you hear Hanson laughing no in the background? Is that Dale? Anyway. No disrespect to the Orientals. <laughs> to the Orientals. Let me just throw this out there. I'm not trying to disrespect anyone, especially the Orientals, but but we have a place in our playbook, uh, and now we have you saying that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Corby? I didn't say it, did I? Good, good. Uh, um, But let's be honest. Perhaps the worst Pearl Harbor moment on the station, probably I have to take credit for causing an e-break that stopped down national comedian and superstar Jay Moore, or at least fringe comedian and B-list star Jay Moore. Is he a superstar? No. No. But we had an odd interaction that has been lost from the ENCO, and uh, or lost in the ENCO, maybe in one of the great purges. It appears to be gone forever. Now, luckily, we keep a lot of stuff, and we don't have the original Jay Moore 
interaction in the Enco anymore where he said that same word that is a shortened yet unfortunate way to say Japanese. But we had Jay Moore like six months later back on our show. This is what the musers never bring up when they have Jay Moore on like once a year. He was on last month. And then act like they haven't, no one's talked to him since him and I had our moment. He's actually been on the station about a half dozen times since that day. And on this day, like six months after our unfortunate get-together, we replayed audio to him. So what I am playing for you now Uh is audio of audio that was being played to him. So you're going to hear 2002 Jay Moore occasionally interrupt 2001 Jay Moore. But if you ever wanted to hear what Pearl Harbor has come to mean to me, unfortunately, here it is on my laptop and here it is for you on the ticket. I was just there, and I, I was especially interested in how many Japanese people take the Pearl Harbor tour, which I found very They got odd. balls. I'd be throwing them over the side into the oily waters of the Arizona. I'd say, oh, you want a close look, pal? Yeah, you got a real close look when your uncle decided to drop one. You, you, you son of a gun. So far, so I, that good. That boggles yeah. my mind. It was very you, that's odd. Like, that's like a Nazi going to the Holocaust Museum and looking around going, excellent. <laughs> Equally odd. A jab in, on the Arizona with dead people still in it? Yeah, go get him out. Go get him out right now, Ishiro. I'm going to throw you overboard. I want you to show me that you're... I, I didn't wanna, know he was going to win a batting title. I want you to show me you're out of the box that. speed into one of the portals, and I want you to drag out dead American sailors. And then we're going to cap you when we're... You're dying either way. <laughs> wow, it's Jay Moore, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch more of this... <laughs> At the Improv this weekend. Do I sound comfortable so far? No. Do I sound like I'm doing well? No. Okay, because it's about to get worse. It was very odd. Oh, wait a minute. It's going to get worse as I learn how to use my own computer. I can't believe you saw... Did you say anything to them? What 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 are they looking at? What are you going to do? They're looking at successful destruction. Perhaps they are saying... Hey, this is too bad that my country did this, per, and now we don't have an army. Because of these uh, jerks in this country, we don't have an army base, and anybody can steamroll us whenever they want. So they're looking down at the Arizona going, man, if we only hit two more. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, what do you do, walk around with like a, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, <laughs> Geiger counter? Wow. So... Just start rubbing it like one of those airport security bars. Just walk through uh, Hiroshima, waving no, around I'm, people's backs. No, I'm not going to. Right, because you have class. You're not going to show yes. up to the U.S. Arizona and just point <laughs> to the ground. Look, there they are. They're all the dead guys. Look, it's still leaking oil. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because of you. <laughs> Overboard, pal. <laughs> I think that would solve it. It would solve it for me that day. Okay, and very nice. go, See, that's something I would go to jail for, and I could look at the cameras and, and on every sports uh, or every news in the country. I would look at the camera and go, it really offended me. Yeah. And, you know, 90% of American males would go, absolutely. And clapping for you. That's kind of cool. He just tossed that jab overboard. Well, Dan, I, <laughs> I think we just set a record for nervous laughter in a segment, Dan. But uh, Jap? Jap is short for Japanese. No, I understand. No, I'm just talking about the whole segment. This is where it goes downhill. Oh, why was, is there nervous laughter? That's that's what I do. That's what you do? But you haven't laughed yet. No, yeah. I laugh when I make me tense. No, go back and listen to the tape. There's plenty of nervous laughter You're in there. You're tense because you... you mm, no, I'm done. What a homo. No, I... <laughs> And there's how it ended. What a jerk, man. Is he that insensitive to where he doesn't realize that, first off, it it may be offensive to some people and he can't see that? Like, oh, whatever, man. I just say it and it's cool. And what is he, 14? (laughs) Well, it was 2001. Has the climate changed in 10 years? I don't know. 
All I know, and, and I say this every time, and it doesn't mean anything to uh, many of the listeners, but I think if you're in broadcasting, you can at least empathize or sympathize, whatever I'm trying to say here, is that that year, one of the guys I grew up watching in Madison, Wisconsin, got fired because he was doing highlights of the Olympics or something, and the U.S. played the Japanese in some sport, but he shortened it because he thought that's how you do it. And it can be an innocent mistake, at least in the late 90s it can be. And so he said the U.S. has taken on the blanks and whatever and did the highlights, and the next night he wasn't there. He was fired because he made that horrible mistake. So now little Bob has made it from Lynchburg to Dallas, and this is like two years after showing up at the ticket. I feel like I've won the lottery now. This guy's on my show saying that same key word that got everyone fired from Madison, and I thought I saw it. I saw the end come. Clearly, you're the homo. Well, yeah. I mean, what a homo. <laughs> what a homo. God. So now, sadly, the historical moment of Pearl Harbor has at least, kind of like George has, in a way, rebranded 9-11 somewhat because of his uh, Paul in, uh, what? <laughs> for some reason, Pearl Harbor's anniversary always makes me think of Jay Moore as we're in the showroom at... Uh, Oh, what's the VW place on Lemon? Uh, I think we were at that car dealer, and uh, there was us, Jay Moore, the dude from uh, the Improv, uh, Trey, and like three other people, and it was just that uncomfortable Pearl Harbor day. And to wrap it up, Norm, we have Kai Dramsey and uh, his yes. his thoughts on Pearl Harbor. All right, you two viewers, today is December 7th. It is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. The attack on the U.S. Navy fleet at Pearl Harbor entered the United States into World War II and cost over 2,000 American lives on this date in 1941. It was a key event that would eventually lead to the end of World War II and start the Cold War, too. So Pearl Harbor had a real significant impact on the American people. Again, it happened on this date in 1941. This is Kai Dramsey for YouTube History. YouTube Pearl Harbor. History. From, like, the center of the expressway. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Well, it, in his opinion, Pearl Harbor both Ended World War Two and began the Cold War. And began the Cold War. Yeah, but had he arranged for a triple Blue Angel flyover during the report? <laughs> what was that? I don't know. There's so much information in there. We can't question Kaj, Norm. We can't. Nor can we question Jay Moore. Nor can we question Barry Switzer or Corby. Dude, Parcel, don't quite don't Bill throw Parcell. me in there. Be saying woohoo, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Pearl Harbor. Do you think Parcell stepped the furthest over the line over Jay Moore? No doubt. Wow. That's controversial. That's a tough call. We'll have to check with the odds makers. Norm? 
I'm voting for Parcells because he knew before he, knew he it, said right? it. He, and he, he wasn't doing stand-up. He, he was doing a Cowboys it. press briefing. Right into it. He set up the whole thing with his own apology. It's like he <laughs> let me, waved a giant flag. Let me offer a preemptive apology here. <laughs> I know what I'm about to say is going to offend a whole bunch of you. So, so he's going to say something offensive to set alert. it up. Exactly right. Be on alert. I'm about to say something really offensive. Let me... <laughs> oh, no, don't mark. <laughs> well, so there you go. There is what's in my cute little corner here on Pearl Harbor and history and the ticket. So do I do the thing here? No, I can oh. do this. Oh, okay. Ranch Back to you, Norm. Ranch Report with David Moore next.